it doesn't really matter either way. But yes, we are both rocking the the hipsterish floppy floppy hair this weekend. The, the I the I don't have product in my hair look. Yeah, basically, it's the uh, I've been off work for three days now. So guess what? That all the products washed out. It's all gone. It's all gone. And I didn't put any new one in. So well, why would you? Why would you? God damn it! I'm just gonna play Resident Evil, man. Like I don't know what else like I'm supposed to be doing with my life yeah. right now. So I'm just kind of like. Playing Resident Evil, you know, good times. Sorry, I got you... a warning that my SSD is like low space, so I'm just deleting a bunch of video files that were d- direct downloaded. Who do, who download? Even I don't download my porn anymore, Paul. Come on, even I, I've upgraded to streaming now. Okay, so there's this really great website that is very particularly for Japanese gay porn, um, and it has like high quality stuff that. You can't get anywhere else because, like, the internet is racist and they don't want to watch Asian men having sex. But I certainly do. So this is the the compromise that we have that I have, unfortunately. Um. So I'm there you go. It. I'm gonna cut it. So that's the preamble. I think. So <laughs> are you recording? Well, I, like, are you are we good? Are we good to go? I am. No, I don't have Audacity up yet. I had God to. I, damn it. I had to clean up the SSD first. I'm gonna. I'm so okay. cutting that to make that the pre. No, I'm just kidding. I might. I might leave it in because it's kind of fun. I might leave it at the end, just like put it in okay. as a tag because I get yeah. bored. Yeah. Well, if you guys want more on my psychosexual journey, just tune into either podcast that I'm on because that's that's how this goes. All right, I am recording on Audacity, so let me just scoot my chair forward and put you on the big screen and okay let's do this all right so i assume that's enough preamble for this week and i lost my notes there they go i found it we're good welcome back everyone to dance robot (laughs) dance this is episode 131 i'm mark you are hearing strange voices no i did not upload the wrong podcast to the wrong feed I am joined by my brother and Side A, Side B podcast co-host, Paul, this week. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. I should have told you to say hello. I'm bad at this. Uh, not not good at this. All right. So, yeah, awesome. Uh, Tim is in Ireland this week doing business stuff, and Christy is off doing a million cool things. We're not entirely sure where Christy is right now, but, you know, we wish them well. We'll be hearing from both of them next week. Hopefully, we're going to be telling you a bunch of, bunch of stuff next week, but uh, I'm going to leave you in suspense. Uh, in that regard and other regards, but you know, especially in that regard. So let's, uh, how you doing this week, kid? I'm doing pretty well. Um, this week was report card week because, you know, I teach mm-hmm. uh, Korean kindergarten and uh, report cards are like an, a very large time investment and they are very draining in a lot of ways, but I've had a lot of geek stuff to keep me company this week. So it made it, made it all okay overall. Fair. It's funny that your uh, your report card timing is the same as uh, Canadian schools because Lise was doing her report cards this week. Our sister Lise is also a teacher, so there's like I'm the only non teacher in the family now. Yeah, Lise was doing report cards this week because yeah. her Mac died and she stole my fucking laptop for two weeks. Yeah, so she's uh, I just got my laptop back today. Yeah, she's doing her first term report cards, and this is the end of our school year. So this will be the final oh, okay. set of report cards for the kids that I have this year, which is a bittersweet moment. Uh, I get to get rid of the garbage kids but i'm gonna miss my good ones this year a lot so you know and then you'll have another you'll have another set of garbage and good ones for next year yeah, absolutely it's it is the circle of circle of life for teachers yeah. yeah yeah that's how it is fair yeah all right 
let's uh let's get into the goddamn news what do you think uh yeah let's news this week yeah geek lots of lots of news this week not all of it good but some of it pretty good you got some some of it's pretty good so like i guess well right off the top lots of big releases this last week um and yes like tim and i are through punisher season two and we will probably be talking about it shortly because we both really enjoyed it i'm hoping Paul will have watched it, and we can maybe loop him in too, and into that little review because mm-hmm. it was a fun season of Punisher this year. I like thoroughly enjoyed the day that I spent with the show because it only takes me a day to bomb through those thirteen episode or twelve episode seasons now. But mm-hmm. either way, second, the premiere of season two of Discovery has happened, which I did watch, and I think we'll probably do an actual episode about Discovery in the next little while because now that like season two has started, and Tim and I have both watched and both pretty much caught up. That's definitely something that's going to happen because it is Star Trek on TV. We got to talk about Star Trek on TV. Yeah, guys. I've got to do my homework on that one because I haven't watched season one yet. And uh, I really want to because I really I know I've heard good things from you and from other people about this show. And I'm I do like Star Trek. I'm not like you're not as Trek, diehard as I am. Not diehard, but yeah. I am always fascinated by it. And I always um, there are some seasons of the previous shows that I've absolutely adored or like and particular episodes and things like that, that you've made me watch multiple times, hey, uh, man. But particularly. I don't Deep apologize for my trekkiness. Hey, yeah, man. the best one. Goddamn right. I made you watch that. <laughs> right. It's the best one. So, so uh, yeah, yeah. Discovery's on my list. Definitely on my, my shame pile for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking for like, I really enjoyed the premiere. Uh, I'm super excited for like what's coming up in the next, like the rest of the year. They already showed us the new enterprise and like gave us Captain Pike and stuff like that. So like we're in the thick of like that part of the season already. So I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, we'll get into it eventually. I'm sure maybe we'll wait till the end of the year and like do both seasons kind of back to back or something like that. Or maybe we'll just kind of do season one and then start of season two and then finish up season two later. I don't know. We don't know what we're doing. That's what this podcast is about. We'll just figure it out when we get there. Let's keep moving along. There was a lot of video game releases this week, like a lot of big video game releases. The first one, which probably Paul will be surprised that I'm actually that interested in, but Ace Combat 7 finally loaded and like shipped out this week. Really? I love me like some like faux Top Gun nonsense every once in a while. So like I always play the Ace Combat games. But yeah, the Ace Combat 7 came out. It's got performance issues on the X, which kind of surprised me. Like it's only running at 1080 and like it is like the frame rate dips like crazy. Like it's not holding a steady 60, which at 1080 on the Xbox One X is like that's fucking abysmal kind of performance. (laughs) So I'm hoping that gets patched out, but it is fun. Like I'm having a good time with it. Um, That's kind of ate up part of my week along with Tomb Raider up until the big release for me this week, which was Resident Evil 2. Yes. Which I spent today with and is fucking spectacular. So, yeah, get on that. No spoilers. It just looks amazing and it plays fucking awesome. It's like the perfect Resident Evil experience so far. Yeah. So that uh, that's currently in my download queue. So I've realized that Kingdom Hearts doesn't release on the Canadian PlayStation Network store until January 29th. And it's already oh. I see I see people on my feed like my friend Andrew, who lives in Japan. He's currently playing it, and I just want to scream at him through the PlayStation Network, like, "How is it? Is it good?" But uh, right, yeah, because that was my that was my last one for this week. Because I thought Kingdom Hearts came out this week. I don't pay attention. Like, I don't do Kingdom Hearts, so like, I was kind of relying on yours telling me that it was this week. So that was kind of that's on you. I'm gonna blame Paul for that one. It is officially released in a lot of markets, but. For the North American market, we have to wait another three days, and it's killing me. Killing yeah. me. So, 
So Paul, Paul will be back on soon, uh, and we'll report back on Kingdom Hearts shortly. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get there. I'm hoping uh, that I can get you to play through Resident Evil 2 so we can do a quick little, like, talk about that, too. Because it's pretty fucking good. And I think you like the Resident Evil games, right? I love the Resident Evil games. Okay, I've yeah. always been a fan of Resident Evil. You're going to fucking love this. Like, it is, like, it's Resident Evil 2 done, like, Resident Evil 4 with, like, an Xbox One X makeover. Like, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, it's so good. Like, it looks so good. You keep saying Xbox, but no, no. Oh, yeah, you're on, you're on PlayStation. Yeah, that's right. I'm a that's PS4 right. guy. I'm on both, right? So, like, I just go with what's going to get me the prettiest picture on my 4K TV, which right now is the is the X. And, like, I've turned into that guy who watches di- Digital Foundry videos and, like, mm. pays attention to Digital Foundry videos. So. What have you become? <laughs> hey, man, I got to know if I'm going to, like, if I have the option of buying it for basically every one of their, uh, every platform, I got to figure out which one's going to look the best. So why would I not do that? I'm going to pay the same price regardless of where I buy it. I may as well get the best fucking experience I can out of it. So. Yeah, the One X right now is generally the best experience you can get on a video game. Usually, I mean, like multi-platform and like graphics-wise. So mm-hmm. I do tend to lean into the the One X for multi-platform games the last since I've had it for the last couple months. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty. Tomb Raider's good too, actually. If you like the Tomb Raider games, you'll probably like the new one. It plays like the it plays exactly like Rise did. So mm-hmm. I'm having a good time with that too. And then Red Dead's still, you know, always there. Red Dead's omnipresent. Yeah. We'll be omnipresent for the next six months, probably. It's so fucking long. Yeah, I, I'm still, like, currently I'm still poking at a lot of games on my Switch because mm. there was a lot that came out around the same time, like uh, Smash Brothers, the re-release of New Super Mario Brothers Wii U. Yeah. that The Deluxe Edition came out for that. And I bought that because I didn't have a Wii U. So Oh fair. See, like I had a Wii U and I played those. Like I saw that it was coming out and was like, ooh, I kinda like I love Mario platformers. Like 2D Mario platformers are like my crack. So yeah. I was I was in, but then I was like, oh, it's just the same game I've already beaten twice. Like I played through the Wii U one a couple times because I love those games. But I was hoping they would have like done a new one. I hope it sells well so they do do a Switch version, like a, a proper Switch 2D Mario. Cause like I don't think those games uh take a lot of that for them to develop. And I yeah. like enjoy the shit out of playing them usually. So yeah, same, same. I've been enjoying like I've had a couple nights of like multiplayer uh, with my coworkers and with some of my friends here in Korea, and uh, we we love it. I get frustrated because Mario two D platformers are so my bag. That, yeah, I know uh, exactly. I know I, I can't play the it's, multiplayer. It's, I, I'm nobody's good enough to play the multiplayer with me. I think is what you're trying to get at, and I, yes. I understand that. <laughs> We've been playing Mario it's games, so man. I put you in front of a Mario. You were like what four or some shit like that when yeah. I put you in front of your first Mario. So like you have that yep. shit like in your DNA now. So and yeah, I wasn't exactly. that much older when I sat in front of the first one either. So like I was seven or eight when that first one came out. Maybe not even. Yeah, so, five. So when uh when people die in this game, they get bubbled and they mm-hmm. can float through the stage. And, and I just, I basically tell them, don't get out of the bubble. I will do this part. Yeah. And it's like, if I were more patient, then I would probably be like, hey, let's get you through this so you can feel a sense of accomplishment. But no, I want my sense of yeah. accomplishment. And you want it now, right? Like, you don't want to fucking wait <laughs> yeah. for them to figure it out. Because then you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs, right? Like, no, no, no. Yeah. No, I always play those solo. Because, like, anytime I have played those multiplayer, I'm just like, God damn it, you guys suck mm. at these games. And they're like, have you played this before? I'm like, no, but it's a Mario game. So like I basically played it before. Like it's a Mario game. I play them all, but yeah. Anyway, let's get off the video. Oh, we have one more video game thing to talk about because we're both really angry about it. We were just talking about it before the podcast. That's why it didn't click into my brain. Yeah. There was a Nintendo announcement Paul brought to my attention right before we hopped online. 
Uh, Tell me, Paul. Sad. Okay, so good news first. Retro Studios, um, the makers of Metroid Prime, Metroid's Prime One through Three, goddamn um, right, have uh, taken over development of Metroid Prime Four. They originally they had said that they had a new talented team of developers to do Metroid Prime Four, but apparently that not wasn't so working out so well. Not so talented. Yeah, apparently. not so. Or just may- maybe some creative differences. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, it's Nintendo, you're never going to find out. Like, you never fucking know, right? No. No. So, Retro Studios has taken over. However, the I guess they weren't particularly satisfied with the current product as it is. So, they are com- completely rebooting development and starting from scratch, which is going to cause huge delays. Now, so far, the only thing that we've had is a teaser trailer that was released about like a year and a half ago. Yeah, it was like E3, like two E3s ago, I think it was released or something like that. Right. So, and we haven't heard anything about it since, except for this. Mm -hmm. So, both Mark and I are diehard Metroid fans. And we are, have, and that is a bad, bad kind of fan to be because you just keep getting like, Things just keep get you get kicked while you're down a lot. <laughs> the thing about being a Nintendo fan, like when you're like an adult Nintendo fan, and you kind of lean into those adult-ish franchises, is that you're sitting around fucking waiting for new versions of them to come out a lot. Mm-hmm. So like if you're a Mario fan, like those don't come out very often. Like the new ones, like an Odyssey that comes out what every five years, so you get one every five yeah. years, and then it's like Zelda's take fucking eternities to goddamn well get out. So Breath of the Wild just mm-hmm. came out. That was a, what, four-year development cycle? God only knows when we'll see mm-hmm. a sequel to that. We'll probably get some, like, Gaiden kind of sequel to it. But, like, we're not going to get a proper, like, new Zelda. So, hell, it might be on the next Nintendo console at this point. So, Or it'll be at the end of the yeah, Switch they'll... life cycle, the way they kind of do Zeldas now, it seems like. Yeah. I feel like they're going to re-release one of the previous Zeldas as, like, an HD version before they do... Uh, I don't know what what which one they're gonna do. But they're gonna have, like, the only thing they can something. the only thing they can do at this point is remake Ocarina because like they have high def of Twilight Princess and uh, Wind Waker, which I wouldn't mind ports on the Switch, but I did just play them on Wii U like last year, so not like in a huge rush for mm-hmm. those. But like I don't know, I just I hate being a Nintendo fan like as an adult because like those three franchises are the ones that I like, and it's like five years between getting decent iterations yeah. of them and stuff and it sucks every time and the metroid franchise is so notoriously piss poorly handled like historically uh, horrifically handled yeah yeah that like man it's just like getting kicked in the fucking teeth when you even think about getting a new metroid game every time so right well because when we get a new metroid game there's not even a, like uh we don't have the guarantee of quality that we do when we get a 3d platformer mario like we i, I knew odyssey was yeah. going to be amazing well, gonna be i knew that breath of the wild w- was going to be incredible but like after the team ninja debacle with other m what the fuck Met- yeah other m and like the 2d ones have still been quite good Sigma's returns was good like i enjoyed my time with that on the 3ds last mm-hmm. year like around was it last year it was last year wasn't it they released that yeah yeah, it's still frustrating to me that they haven't ported that to the Switch, but I whatever. It's fine. I don't know why that uh, even came out on the 3DS, but like, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't... Because it looks like shit. It would not port great to the Switch, first of all. It'd have to be kind of rebuilt because it's like built for 3DS, like asset size and stuff like that, which is a tiny screen, like not 1080p. So it would definitely need to be right. rebuilt. I kind of wish they just bought AM2R and just fucking like released that also. But, you know, what are you going to do? Because that was awesome, too. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, let's uh, yeah, let's get off the bummer. Uh, we'll stay on bummer news, but we're gonna move from video games to movies. We haven't really talked about like the amount of allegations going towards Brian Singer right now. It is something that we have talked about in the past. I really hope they just kind of like cancel him now because like this is becoming like epidemic. But oh, I did yeah. notice, interestingly, that he is about to jump into directing a Red Sonia movie, and I really want to see the Red Sonia movie, but I don't want to see a fucking Brian Singer. Brian. boy molester fucking version of red sonia so like can we just get that moved no. over to like somebody who can direct a conan movie that doesn't suck and like isn't diddling yeah. little boys or whatever the fuck's going on that would be ideal yeah so quick backstory like uh brian singer has uh like a long history especially like everyone in the gay community has heard the stories about brian singer and his pool parties and all the gross shit that he does everyone's seen his instagram feed with the various young boys that have cycled through and uh, in his private home movie theater it's just like it's uh, it's been an open secret for so long that we've all been waiting for him to get his me too moment and just get fucking canceled like even uh he uh, got hit last year too like when the big like me too like movement happened he got smacked but then like he just kept working somehow like was he directing was, Dark Phoenix uh, too? Like, is, is that what he's directing right now? Is he working on the X Men movie? I think he was because remember he was directing Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, that's and right. Then he, he disappeared off to that. Uh, he left the set that's right. when All the right. Me Too thing started to drop, and he left the country. Like, this isn't. These are not the actions of an innocent man. People, <laughs> like, come on. And, and I've I went on the Mary Sue today to just to see what the comment section looks like, and we've got we've still got Brian Singer defenders. Oh, um, the attacking the accuser's credentials and just fucking guys he's a pedophile yeah there's that which is horrible like horrible but like also every he hasn't made a good fucking movie in like decades so like why are we defending him like just cancel him it's done he's made the shittiest x i mean days of futures past was fine fine fuck it but like fine it was fine but like he hasn't made a good movie since like x2 so like what the fuck are we still doing here like i don't understand why it just isn't over anyway there is uh okay so a little bit of conspiracy theory stuff like there is um the atlantic who published the the latest account of the victim of the 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 guy who was the 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 extra on apt pupil yeah. who allegedly was on the set and was molested by brian singer we have to say allegedly because you know but like uh, they said that um, uh, one of the publisher for they were trying to get this story on another major publication and they the publishers refused it. And you got to wonder, like, if Brian Singer was inviting powerful Hollywood people to these pool parties, like who what does what kind of blackmail does he have on these people? This starts like, to sound like Bohemian Grove conspiracy theory shit now. Or like, what did mm. Barack Obama see when he went to the Grove? You know what I mean? Like, did he touch little kids? What's going on? And they start talking about people getting flushed yeah. down toilets and shit. Like that, the the well, child, yeah, the true. child trafficking but... stuff starts to get turned into like. And I'm not defending any of it, but like, if we start digging into like conspiracy theories, we're gonna be here all goddamn night. And I'll probably just tell you to go listen That's to true. like the Satanic Panic episode of Last Podcast on the Left because they did their goddamn research for those three episodes. So, actually, if you're interested in this yeah. kind of shit and the sick weirdness that goes on, go find the Last Podcast on the Left about it. It's uh. I don't know what episode it is, but you can go find the Satanic Panic. It's an excellent episode. Those guys do bonkers research for this kind of stuff. But yeah, Brian Singer came up in that episode, though, because he is like notorious. And even like guys like me, like film nerd kind of people, like we know Brian Singer's got like Brett Ratner-esque like levels of creepiness in his background. So 
Yeah. It is allegedly. Sorry, allegedly. I always keep forgetting to say allegedly because allegedly. Uh, allegedly. No, it's just the, the and the fact that Red Sonia is a victim of rape yeah. in oh, her yeah. storyline. Like the it's just the the grossness of it seems to be endless. And I, I, I just like want just that movie to get made. It looks like it would be so good. It would be like a good female led Conan movie. Like what more do you want from life? hot redhead chick cleaving people in half sounds amazing let's do this thing but like nope let's yes. not get Brian Singer to direct it let's get you and me to direct it how does that sound we'll direct Red Sonia or how about just a lady direct anything because anything at this point anything. anything all right let's uh let's move on uh, anyway. to happier ish news we're gonna stay in the movie world for now we'll get some tv stuff to cover at the end but uh Let's move on to some happier shit. Well, happier shit. You know, there's still controversy here and there. But like, anyway. Yeah. So the Oscar nominations came out this week. And like, as a film-focused mm-hmm. podcast, quasi-focused anyway, uh, I felt like it was our duty to kind of go through the nominations. Um, at least the, the high-end stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So let's, uh, let's get into the yeah. 2019 Oscar nominations. So we'll start right at the top, Best Picture. So, so Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma. A Star is Born and Vice are your Best Picture nominees for this year. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm glad that Black Panther did get nominated because it is a superhero movie that actually had good art direction and a comp- like really good director. Uh, Ryan Coogler did such an amazing job on Black Panther. A lot of people, like I've seen people on my feed being like, why are we nominating Cape shit for the Oscars? I'm like... Star Wars, the original Star Wars won an Oscar. Like, popular things should be considered. And it just bugs me that there there is still this mentality around, like, blockbusters shouldn't be nominated for Oscars because this idea of Oscar prestige has created some pretty shitty movies yeah, overall. And so, but they're emotional and character-driven, so they uh, they get more clout at the Oscars. I think that... Black Panther has wonderful character development and overall is a really well executed movie. So, yeah. so yes, yeah, yes, fair. Black Panther. Uh, I was like, I was on like, I was surprised Black Panther got the nomination based on the superhero thing. Marvel was pushing it hard though, so like, I'm not that surprised. Like, the, the mouse got some money to, to put behind mm-hmm. it, right? But yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm fine with it. I don't think it's gonna win. Like, I, I really don't think it's gonna win. But like, yeah. having it nominated is cool. Yeah. I just, I, I don't, I don't know if there's a better blockbuster movie than that this year. I mean, I. That's the thing. A lot of people were like, I saw people in the Marvel forum being like, why didn't they just fucking get Infinity War nominated? And I'm like, well, because Infinity War, like, you're not going to get the goddamn Academy to vote for Infinity War. It's like the 20th part of a 20 part movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. No, you can't do that. Yeah. It's too comic booky. Yeah. It's like like inter- Infinity War did just it was kind of more of a love letter to yeah. the comic fans compared to uh, to Black Panther, which was like a. It was a good Marvel movie, is what Black Panther was, right? Like it's a good, like it's a good action movie, right? Yeah. So like eh, I'm fine with it. I just like I'm wondering if actually uh, Endgame is going to end up with like get getting Return of the King treatment kind of thing and getting a couple like big nominations or like big wins just because like it's such an achievement. Like those two movies are massive technical achievements on like the same kind of level the Lord of the Rings were, mm-hmm. and also like somebody needs to recognize maybe they just do it in screenplay. The fact that those two, oh, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna hedge my bet and say Endgame's going to be as good as Infinity War was, but like that the screenplay holds together with that much shit going on was actually kind of a miracle. So that's more where I'm like, hey, maybe they should get a nomination for screenplay or something because they managed to hold all that shit together. But anyway, Black Klansman, yeah. I've seen, I like Spike Jones stuff, but like, I don't, I don't know, Black Best Picture. 
It's interesting. Spike, Spike Lee, Lee or sorry. Spike is Jones? That, that's Spike Lee, right? Yeah, sorry. I said, yeah, I said Spike Jones. Lee. I'm on the drugs. Spike yeah. Lee, sorry. But I like Spike Lee's stuff. And like this movie was good. Um, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet because a lot of these movies haven't uh, released mm. in Korea. Korea is notorious for like not caring too much about movies that are that have black people in them sometimes um but that being said like a lot of them like once they get the oscar nominations they do eventually come to korea but i usually just download them legally yeah of course same yeah that's how i got black Klansman. like i watched it it was good i like i enjoyed it i'm always hit or miss on the oscar kind of like buzz movies though because like i don't well a lot of people talking sometimes and i'm like all right this is fine but you know i like i like a little bit more stuff happening um, in my movies but I'm looking forward to seeing this one because I've heard that the the performances are excellent. They and, are, yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm waiting with bated breath for that one. Fair. Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't know if that should be up there. Uh, to be honest, because like that movie, wasn't I didn't. That good. No, it wasn't. It, I I think that it was really successful because people love Queen. Mm, honestly, yeah, basically, uh, and Rami Malek was great. But I don't think that most of the other performances of the movie, like, really, like, he was really the such a standout that yeah. everyone else really paled in comparison in that film. I uh, felt like he was just doing, like, a really good impression, though. Like, I didn't feel like he was, I mean, I guess that's what acting is. But, like, but sometimes it just felt like he was just, like, doing a Freddie Mercury bit as opposed to, like, really inhabiting the character. But, like, I don't know. I don't know, I didn't like the movie that much. So, like, I'm just nitpicking it because I overall thought it was kind of like a, I thought it was kind of softball compared to like what his story actually is and stuff like that so i just it was it was softball it felt yeah it felt like the what was that movie the one about mary poppins and uh walt disney where they like super sanitized the way that the creation of mary poppins oh yeah yeah, yeah. Was I, made. Know, I can't I, I watched that but i can't remember what it was called the guys made me watch it like the the regular crew made me watch it and i was like oh, it was good yeah. but like yeah it did, it did have a very sanitized feel to it which i was like and i know enough about the backstory of queen that i was like yeah, I know this is a lot skeezier than it ended up being. So, all right. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I and also, this movie is too fucking long. I, and I, yeah. Fair it's time. just, I don't, I don't care. What happened to the 100 minute movie, guys? I know I've complained about this before, but Lord of the Rings, I, I love those movies, but I hate them for creating three hour, two and a half to three hour movies as a baseline. Just hey, man, did you, did you listen to last week's episode of this show? Not yet. No, uh, we reviewed uh, Aquaman where we're like, this is a great fucking movie. Why is it two and a half goddamn hours long? It doesn't need to be. It was, uh, yeah. There's a lot of that kind of talk. Oh, wait, I did. Re- I did listen yeah. to that one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was the last was, one. I did listen to that. Yeah. There was a lot of me and Tim just being like, why are these? Why is this movie so fucking long? It's not the Dark Knight. You know what I mean? Like, just just right. two hours. Like, just do two hours. Fine. Anyway, yeah. let's keep moving through this list. So the favorite I haven't seen yet. Oh, it was so good. Was it good? I, yeah. I highly 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 recommend i have it i i downloaded all these movies so like they they are there like i could watch them if i want to yeah you you should watch it because you like rachel vice um she's i do uh, like rachel fucking, vice. she's incredibly good in this movie isn't um emma stone in this too is that the one that emma, emma stone yeah. yeah the three main actresses emma stone rachel vice and olivia coleman who oh, uh, nice. was nominated for lead actress yeah olivia coleman who is from Broadchurch as well yep. as uh, now on the latest season of the crown she is breathtaking to watch on screen cool. it was like the whole movie i was just riveted i couldn't believe it has kind of like a wonky artsy ending to it it worked for me but i could see people being like wtf on it yeah but 
the whole the whole movie itself is just like these three women manipulating and scheming and just being awful to each other. It's delightful. Yeah, it's nice. so good. I just like Rachel yeah. Weisz. I'll just I'll watch her in anything just because I like looking yeah. at her. I know that sounds skeezy, but like I she's yeah unbelievable. She's uh, she's she's wonderful in this movie too. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Green Book was the next one, which. I don't think I've seen either. No, I've not seen. Uh, no, I haven't seen that one either. I uh, I only just saw a trailer for it, yeah. and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, it is in my download. That one actually did release in Korea, but I had other stuff to watch before that. <laughs> um, so because I was watching stuff like Aquaman, yeah, and, when it was out, and, and Bumblebee, you know, it just never, and Bumblebee, and I it didn't get around to that one. So nice. so there you go. But it's uh, it's on my list. Yeah, me too. Uh. Excuse me, Roma, uh, which I, I, again, haven't seen. Roma has, everyone's been telling me to watch this. A lot of gay guys that I talk to have said that it's so good. I don't know why, but like, um, they, everyone's recommending it. Again, haven't watched it yet. So. Uh, A Star is Born, which I feel like it, that's kind of in the Bohemian Rhapsody category for me. We're like, I liked it, but like, I don't think it yep. really deserves like a fuck ton of like this much recognition. Like, like everybody got a nomination for this movie. I'm like, all right, like it was good. <sighs> okay. And like, I like that Bradley Cooper's basically just doing Eddie Vedder for like the entire movie. Cause he kind of nails it. <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't, I mean, and Lady Gaga was good in it, but I'm just like, it's not, yeah, I don't know. It was fine. I mean, it's better than like one of those Mariah Carey vehicles back in the nineties. Like, is it actually a good movie, <laughs> but it's not like it is. It's not best picture in my head, but eh, you know, Whatever. I I think that this one because it's the fourth iteration of this film, mm-hmm. it has it had like an old Hollywood clout to it, and then it's Bradley Cooper's directorial debut. True. I guess there was just like a lot of hey, look at all this already established Oscar prestige, and also we got Lady Gaga, and she turns out a pretty good performance, like and she did. But again, oh, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, I find that this movie was flabby. It was another movie that was more than two hours long and it really didn't need to be it lost a lot of its impact because i was i was kind of bored in some parts of it and so that was my problem i drifted off real hard about like halfway through it and was like ah shit i don't really know if i paid enough attention to this to really know what's going on at the end because it just kind of like it went on Mm -hmm. too long yeah so i was kind of like all right i'm out uh, yeah, yeah. my phone's right next to me at all times so if i get bored i'm just like redditing immediately and that that's not a good scene but like it, you got to keep my fucking attention otherwise like hey guess what reddit's right there so, yeah i mean like i you know what movie kept my attention the entire way through bumblebee <laughs> and a star yeah was, fucking a and we're gonna talk about that in a minute but like let's get through this shit yeah so. uh, yeah a star is born uh, yeah i got i i got through it i enjoyed it i don't think it's sh- like i guess because they're nominating nine to ten movies every year then they they're throwing this one on sure whatever yeah it's fine where yeah, where's exactly. spider-verse i know it's in the <laughs> it's in the animated. animated the one that everybody's talking about is uh the beale street one it, it, it got oh snuffed, yeah right? that got yeah that one was like a really visually cool movie i think that that should have yeah. been nominated but yeah that's kind of weird the last one is vice which i have seen i liked it it's a little softball considering the topic like the subject matter of it although i'd like christian bale was pretty good like I like Christian Bale, I guess, but like, yeah, I don't know it was okay. I, I'm just like I'm looking at these best this best picture field and being like, what do I pick? Because there's like the three that I feel like are probably the actual like good movie favorites, like the favorite Green Book and Roma. I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch yet. Yeah, and the rest of them, I'm like, Black Klansman's good. I don't think it's best picture. Black Panther, oh, it's never gonna win. Like it'd be cool as shit if Black Panther won, but I doubt it. Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody and A Star Is Born are 
throw a little softball for like actually winning best picture for me yeah and vice is like vice is kind of gimmicky yeah i thought um so like i don't know like do you have a pick i think from what i've seen I'm going to pick the favorite. The favorite is my favorite, of course. And yeah. I think that it's like, I know that people poo-poo like costume period pieces and that they th- they're like an easy win for this, mm-hmm. uh, for the Oscars. And that's a, f- a fair criticism. But I think this is so well executed. This is not Shakespeare in love. It doesn't, it's not, it's doesn't Remember have that. that one. What a goddamn joke. Ugh. Corny. Like good movie, but like why? Why yeah. are we winning? Why are you giving that an Oscar? Anyway. I, I still like that movie, but uh, yeah, I do too. Yeah. But like it doesn't. It's not a best picture. Like no. it's not. It doesn't deserve an Academy Award for best picture. Anyway, well, but the favorite is just it's gritty and dark and like it's funny, uh, like laugh out loud funny in some places and like like gut wrenchingly horrifying in other places. And you're just kind of like, oh yeah, this is really good. So everyone. Cool. I highly recommend the favorite. Go for it. Well, I can be your geek cred this week if we keep that segment yeah. alive. So, uh, all right, let's go. Let's quickly go through the rest of this stuff. So, lead actor Christian Bale for Vice, Bradley Cooper for A Star Is Born, Willem Dafoe uh, at Eternity's Gate, Remy Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody doesn't deserve it. Viggo Mortensen for Green Book, fine. Yeah. Um. From what from what I've seen, Bradley Cooper, but I haven't seen. I've only seen two out of the five. So. Yeah, I have to see. I got to see Green Book. And I don't, I'm like, I'm not going to watch that Eternity's Gate just to see how Willem Dafoe does. This feels like uh, you've been around for a long time and never won one of these awards. So we're going to nominate you this year. And maybe next year you'll do a movie that's not John Wick that we can nominate you and give you the award for kind mm-hmm. of thing. Because you've been doing it for 50 years or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, lead actress. Oh, shit. Uh, Yelitsa Yel- Aparicio. 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 All right. There it is. I was, I, I was close. I had it in my head. More or less that. So for Roma, yeah, Yelita Aparicio will be is lead actress, uh, nominated for lead actress. Yep. The rest of the list is as follows. Glenn Close for The Wife. Glenn Close just getting nominated on the year that Meryl Streep did not get nominated. <laughs> I don't care. They're both amazing. So like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just like they feel like they trade years in the lead actress yeah. category. You know what I mean? Like they're right. always there. Olivia Coleman for The Favorite. Which My winner. Winner, winner, over. chicken yeah. dinner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lady Gaga for A Star is Born. And Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Which, interestingly enough, I did sit through and I kind of enjoyed. She's really good in that, actually. Yeah, like, her performance I, is very good. The movie's a little weird, but... It just leaked, uh, like, on our torrent site. Uh, our, mm-hmm. uh, so I am, I, I'm downloading it now. I can't wait to watch it because I really want to see yeah. how she does. And uh, It's really I find good. That, I, thought, I, I quite liked it. So I'm going to check it out today, probably. Cool. So, yeah. But I think that Olivia Coleman deserved, like, the, for the tour de force performance that she put forth as Queen Anne, I, she deserves it, for sure. Right. Let's quickly go through supporting actor stuff. So, Mahershala Ali for Green Book, Adam Driver for Black Klansman, which, he surprised me, he's very good in that. So, mm-hmm. I would lean that way. Sam Elliott for A Star is Born. God, I love uh, Sam Elliott. That voice, man. Yeah. Good times. Richard E. Grant, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Uh, Sam Rockwell for Vice. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I love Sam Rockwell. Mm-hmm. He wasn't that good in Vice, but like, mm-hmm. give him the goddamn statue because he's, <laughs> he's so awesome. Sam Rock was like, I don't know. He's just like that actor when I see him. And I'm like, I like that guy. I don't really give a shit what he's in, but I'm like, I like that guy. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, I like that guy. That's fair. Rock he's just awesome. cool. Yeah, I yeah, don't. Uh, I've only seen uh, A Star Is Born and I don't I, I like Sam Elliott, but I don't think uh, his performance was anything no, noteworthy. No, no. But then. I didn't think a lot of the performances were noteworthy in that movie. No. So uh, I will give 
I don't know. I can't. I cannot make a pick on that one. So I would. I would like. I Sam Rockwell was good in Vice. I want to see Green Book because like I like Marshall Ali a lot. So yeah, he's in uh, the new season of True Detective season three, and I'm like, yeah. as bad as season two was, Marshall Ali being in the third season of it, it's like I think I'm gonna watch it because like he's fucking awesome. So yeah, shit. Anyway, best supporting actress, Amy Adams is back for Vice. Shocking. Mm-hmm. Marina de Tavira uh, for Roma. Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk. That's the name of that title of that movie we were talking about. If Beale Street Could mm-hmm. Talk was a best picture snub, snub. that kind of upset about. Yeah. Uh, supporting actress Emma Stone for The Favorite and Rachel Weiss for The Favorite also. Uh, okay. I might want to pick Regina King for this just because I don't want to make the Sophie's choice of Emma oh. Stone and Rachel Weiss. Like, the, there are some scenes in The Favorite where both of them just fucking chew the scenery and are amazing to watch. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's maybe a slight spoiler, but an infamous, like, hand job while plotting your revenge scene with Emma Stone that is so good while she's just looking off camera and the guy in the background is like getting off and she's just all like what's my next move it's so good that it's like one of the images in the movie other than everything olivia coleman does that is ingrained in my mind and rachel vice is rachel vice so she's just so commanding in everything she's in i just i just love her so i've only seen the one movie out of these so like and amy adams is fine in vice but i don't think she was that good i'm just gonna vote for rachel vice because (laughs) <laughs> it would be really funny for Mrs. James Bond to have an Oscar when her husband just yeah. makes James Bond movies, basically. Yeah. That's where Fair I'm at enough. with that. Best director, um, we'll quickly plow through. So Spike Lee for Black Klansman, uh, Powell Palikowski. Oh, Jesus. Palikowski? Yeah, that, that Pavlik- sounds about right. Yeah. Pavlikowski? Yeah, it's probably W, right? So Pavlikowski? Yeah. Yeah. Pavel Pavlikowski for Cold War. Yorgos Lanthimos. Jesus, these names are killing me this year. Uh, for The Favorite. Alfonso Cuarón, Eurocentrist, Mar. I'm the I'm America centrist is probably is the Ever, problem. Yeah. Alfonso Cuarón is that the that's the Harry Potter guy, right? He did like did he do the third one? The third one, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he got nominated for Roma, and Adam McKay for Vice. Uh, so that's the best director. I don't know. The direction for the favorite was incredible. So I'll there you go. The favorite. Again. All right, the last uh, one I really want to talk about. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about some special effects stuff because that's the only place I get to talk about the Avengers. But uh, animated feature, a lot of these movies I've seen. So Incredibles 2, Brad Bird, Isle of Dogs, Wes Anderson, meh. Mirai, Mamoru Hosoda. I, I'm, that's that's kind of a U one. So. Mirai, yeah. Mirai? And so in some places, it's just called Mirai. That's where it's called here in uh, Korea. Um, I can't. I can't watch that in theaters because it's got it's Japanese language with Korean subtitles in the theaters. So I haven't had the chance to watch Take it. A look. Uh, yeah. So I'm waiting for a good. Yeah. Like a fan rip or something like that. So you can get some decent yeah, stuff. I understand. I'm with mm-hmm. you. Uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, which I haven't seen yet. And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the last one on that. Man, if they give that to like Spider-Man or Incredibles 2, I'm totally fucking fine there. I, it should go to yep. Spider-Man. That was an achievement in animation, though. Like as a technical feat, it is it's impressive i'm hard pressed to pick between that and the favorite as my favorite movie of the year to be honest it's it's up there it's it like i mean infinity war kind of breaks me but like spider-verse like i felt joy paul i yeah felt joy spider-verse like i don't know how else to describe it to you and like i know the guys poo-pooed on it a little bit more than i did but i was like this is the greatest goddamn thing that's ever been put to film so i'm kind of (laughs) done I, I wouldn't go that far, but it was the best thing that was put onto film this year that made me 
feel riveted like yeah. and, and not in a dramatic sad way but in a like uplifting wow kind of way i was um i was coming back from a doctor's appointment and i was like hey i have i'm gonna be in Gangnam, and they have a, a screening for it there apparently there are two Gangnam theaters that are under the same brand here in korea that so i had to i went to the wrong one first and i almost missed the beginning of the the movie but it was all good i got there living in a, a country where you don't speak the, the language can be very tricky sometimes however i sat there after my doctor's appointment by myself watching the movie and everyone in the theater was absolutely floored by it you could tell and this was a few weeks after the initial release and the the theater was still packed and everyone was just like loving it like i because uh it was english with korean subtitles like a lot of the jokes. the jokes don't land for korean audiences where i was the only one laughing in the theater or a couple of people who were english who had speaking. good esl skills yeah, yeah. Uh, like the guys next to me um for the after credits gag with uh spider-man 2099 yeah they they were laughing along with me because they were probably meme edgelords too at that point in yeah. the inter their internet life so it that was fun but it was really like one of my favorite movie experiences this year cool the only yeah. other stuff i i like to look at and this is just me because i'm a dork but like i like looking at the the editing and like that kind of stuff but i mean mm -hmm. sound editing's black panther bohemian rhapsody first man a quiet place and roma i'm not gonna lie a quiet place should win that it was spectacularly mixed so oh i guess mix mm -hmm. is there never mind edited i guess sound mixing black panther bohemian rhapsody first man roma a star is born yeah whatever production design uh i was like Black Panther, First Man, The Favorite, Mary Poppins Returns, and Roma. Not gonna lie, probably gonna give that to First Man. That movie, like, they fucking madmaned that, like, the way everything looked yeah. in that movie. It was spectacularly well done. Although I will argue yeah. for Black Panther's, like, the Marvel guys' production design is always, like, fucking second to none. Like, they yeah. do amazing, amazing work. Yeah. Uh, aside from that, costume design, I mean, like, no, no, give it to black panther that, sorry well i mean mary like, poppin returns and then mary queen of scots is also has some pretty cool shit in there like I, I looked at the sketches and stuff and then the last one for me always visual effects and i'm going to read these from the bottom up because otherwise you're just going to know what i'm going to say solo a star wars story ready player one first man christopher robin and avengers 4 infinity war uh yeah i would give it to avengers obviously with a nod to first man yeah and like, and that's the thing, like Ready Player One and Solo's special effects were both excellent, but they're just kind of like standard special effects these days. I feel like Avengers, yeah. I feel like Thanos bumps Avengers above everything else this year. Like, I feel like Thanos as a character was so well articulated that like that has to win. Like, it was so good. Yeah. Anyway, so that's your Oscar nominations and Paul and I's quasi opinions on all of them for this year. That was the longest segment we've ever done on the Oscars. That's kind of how it does. Yeah. Because we have opinions, guys. Oh my god, opinions and if you, on a podcast. What? Yeah, and if you disagree with any of them, you can get hit us up on social media and we can talk about it. Or we can, yeah, you could do that. There is that. All right, let's finish up this extremely long news segment. I'm going to blast through. Oh, right. So there's two movie things that are superhero related that we're going to quickly blast through. And because God only knows we love talking about these movies, um, because it's so confusing as to why it's happening. But the Jared Leto Morbius movie has added the 11th Doctor, Matt Smith, to the cast. Hmm. I'm so fucking baffled as to why this movie is happening. But, like, that confusion is shared by the last story that I'm going to bring up. So do you have any commentary on Matt Smith for some reason joining Morbius? I don't 
want it. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm the same way. I didn't want Venom either, get, but like, hey, we got it, and it made five billion dollars. Yeah. So guess what? We're gonna get more. <sighs> yeah, yeah. That's fine. I mean, like maybe the, for the second Venom movie, they'll make the movie that Tom Hardy actually wanted to make. Fine, whatever. <sighs> that first movie though, Morbius. Why? I don't know. Did you watch it? Did you watch? Venom? Yeah, I watched Venom. All right. I just, I, I don't, we, we've never spoken about. Uh, it, why I'm asking. So. God, it was so all right. So you had the same reaction Tim and I did, which was like, Jesus, why the fuck is this happening to my life? Yeah, but again, that that movie was like, there were definitely, that was a terrible movie, but it was defining for 2018. Like, nobody wanted it. It still happened. And for some reason, it made a shit ton of money. Okay, fine, world, fine. You could just, fine. <laughs> hey, man, it was FI Friday all day today. We got some good shit today. Yeah. So, you know, we got some indictment and shit. Yeah good times gotta gotta take a good where you can get it right now you know what i mean yes because uh the next story is also equally baffling channing tatum wants to not only make his gambit movie he wants to direct the fucking gambit movie this movie cannot happen no like cannot happen it is going to be a shit show of the first order if it does disney needs to just be like channing we love you babe you can be an X-Force with fucking Ryan Reynolds when he boots that shit up in our little universe. You're not getting a solo Gambit movie before we relaunch the mutants in the MCU. It's not happening. Could you stop thinking it's going to happen? Could yeah, try, stop trying to make fetch happen as it were. Like could you Im- I, yeah. Could you imagine the the Channing Tatum directed Gambit movie being the flagship like restart to the the Marvel Disney X-Men. There's two options. Either they do Uncanny and just do Uncanny or they just do a Wolverine solo. They're not doing any crazy nonsense. You're going to get a Deadpool movie, probably, that's just Deadpool. Yeah. And then you're going to get like Wolverine and the X-Men because that's just the way you're going to do it. Yeah. You're never going to see this. Like, my first thought is and like, this is us as Frenchmen. How bad is his accent going to be? Uh, I know. Like, if he goes through the, I wonder if he's been going through like training to get the Cajun accent. Maybe that's why. Maybe why he. That's why he wants this movie so fucking bad. He's like, I learned how to talk like that asshole. I need to make this fucking movie because it's ruined my life. Because now I speak with a fucking Cajun accent for yeah, some reason. That's, that's the only reason I could see Channing Tatum being like, I need to make the Gambit movie. Because my brain's broken from learning how to talk like the asshole now. I don't even like Gambit that much. Like, I don't want a Gambit movie. I don't even want him in the X-Men. So, like, yeah, fine. Anyway. So, I got two last fun little stories. They're Mm TV-related. And we're going to talk about them real quick. There seems to be a Highlander show in development. Now, I only know this because the only remaining fan of that franchise is our mother. And she loves telling me. When Highlander shit happens. But apparently there's a TV show that's going to get made. And it's going to be like a prestige TV show. Like they want to make it for cable. I think that's okay. I think that the Highlander. I'm fine with it. I'm yeah. cool with it. It could work. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I didn't. I, like I used to watch the Highlander show with mom. Like the one with. Yeah, uh, me too. Was it Adrian Adrian, Paul? Uh, Adrian. Adrian Paul. Yeah. 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 That's it. Adrian yeah. Paul. And like Roger Daltrey's in it all the time. Like, mm-hmm. cause they always do the flashbacks and shit. I like that show. Cause they do the flashbacks all the time. Like that was the best part of the show was yeah. all the weird period stuff they did. Yeah. So like, I dig all that shit, but like, this, like, I mean, I get it why you don't want to do a movie. Cause like the movie makes no sense. Right. Like, I mean, it does make sense in that it's a complete movie. Yeah. But, like he can't make a sequel to it. Cause there's only one. And yeah. if, if, that, if he wins the Highlander thing and like gets the quickening, that fucking thing's over. 
So the TV show makes more sense because you got to kind of work your way to the quickening. Yeah. So I get it. That makes sense to me. But I'm just yeah. like, I'm just astounded by the veracity, like the the virulent fucking clinging to life that the Highlander franchise has managed to do. Ah. Considering like it hasn't had anything good for like decades. Yeah. I mean, like there after Highlander, there was Highlander the Raven, which focused on the character Amanda, who was like the Catwoman of the Highlander franchise. And I I always liked her. I but she was a really I did good too. Very attractive. Character. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, she was great. She was really uh, cool. Like, I like she that was... show. And I've seen all the movies. Like, I like them. The first movie's fucking great. Yeah. Like, I love that first movie. It's fucking genius. Like, Sean Connery's just, like, mowing on every piece of scenery he can get his goddamn grubby yeah. mitts on. Oh, man, he's having a good time. And you have a good time with him during that movie. So, it's, yeah. like, it's a lot of fun. I just, like, the I... fact that this show just, like, it just, like, the franchise just stays alive somehow. I, yeah, it's really weird. Although now that I think about it, if they were going to do a 13 episode miniseries where there was only one season, like a limited series, yeah. I could see them doing a kind of almost monster of the week, but Highlander of the week kind of like tur- tournament style. We're going to focus on this particular conflict between these two Highlanders for an entire episode and just mm-hmm. have that be the thing. Because that's kind of the, the plot line for Revolutionary Girl Utena. And I can totally see that for like a sword and sorcery kind of hacking away with broadswords kind of thing you get like um the main highlander versus like the samurai highlander or the because that's what you know or like the, yeah so my big question is uh who do you cast because you can't get christopher lambert anymore like i just i don't know you can't have raiden now all sad yeah, like, yeah sad <laughs> but yeah <laughs> 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 and then so let's just let's just keep moving on. So like yeah. in other franchises that like our family loves for some fucking peculiar reason, The Lost Boys has been optioned for a potential CW show. It's interesting that you went for our mother and our sister's like favorite things in the world. I know. I mean, like... they just popped up this week. It's bizarre. <laughs> like both popped up the same week, and I was like, oh wow. And crazy. weirdly enough, it is their their birthday week right now, guys. It is like... too. Yeah, Lee's birthday is actually today. Like I just like we we just sent her on her way back down to Niagara so she can go spend it with uh, her husband and stuff. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, mom's birthday was last weekend. Lisa's birthday is this weekend, and they're getting TV shows that are like directly marketed to them. Happy birthday, ladies! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is fair because I just got Punisher. So yeah, yeah. what are you gonna do? So Lost Boys is a weird, like, again, I could totally see it because it's like this biker gang in the city thing. I could see this being like a a teen drama kind of vibe. Especially like, especially in the world where Riverdale is like the hottest fucking thing on the planet. Like the Lost Boys is basically like the easiest fucking transfer to like that kind of idea with vampires. They already got like four more of these fucking shows going. The CW in like two years will be basically vampires, Riverdale. So like I'm I'm lumping supernatural with vampires I guess so yeah. supernatural Riverdale CW like Flareverse and that's yeah. all they fucking have on, the, <laughs> on that network now like that's just those three yeah. franchisey kind of like ideas so yeah. it's like Riverdale the CW like DC stuff and then like supernatural and a bunch of weird like random vampire shit like Lost Boys hey it's a market I guess yeah. remember when they were buff remember when they were the Buffy network you remember when in that time the highest rated show in, on that uh, network was Seventh Heaven. <laughs> I do, but like, you gotta wonder, like how many? How you gotta wonder how many of those ratings for Seventh Heaven were just guys like me who wanted to look at Jessica Biel? Ah, uh, well, yeah, that's fair. Because, like, yeah. yes, Jessica Biel. Hello. Oh, there is one more piece of TV news. I don't know if you heard this because it is recent, but Netflix is trying to option a Resident Evil series. Oh God! Wait. Oh, I heard about this. It's the guys who are making the movie who are gonna make it though. So. <sighs> No, thumbs down. 
they just hire anybody else and just like transfer the first two movies to two seasons of TV or two games, I should say, to two seasons of TV. Call yeah. it a goddamn day. And then like, if you really want to, I mean, you could do three, but like, he's kind of cheesy. Although the rumor going around now because of how well RV2 is doing, like the re-release is selling very well. They're probably just going to dump RV3 for like next Christmas. So mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, at that point, may as well. Yeah. But and then you could well, do RE, like RE4 would be a fun fucking show to watch, right? Yeah. Like the adapted Resident Evil 4. It just bugs the shit out of me. Like those movies, I guess they made money, but they were always kind of middling success-wise. They're, I don't, they're dog they're shit, God. though. They're so bad. They're all so bad, and like, <laughs> I have a soft spot for Mila Jovovich. Uh, Same. Lilu Dallas. Actually, I have, ass, a, but... I have a hard spot for Mila Jovovich. Actually, <laughs> boom. But I think that the story of Resident Evil and like, if they just if they were from the perspective of the Umbrella Corporation, but the the video game stuff happening in the background and those characters popping up would be so much fun to watch. But yeah. they, these motherfuckers who made the movies cannot handle it. They will not make it good. So what? Yeah. Like, why? Whatever. Why? 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 Yeah, I saw that and I was just like, uh, I don't really want to talk about that because it's going to depress me. Because I'm right in the middle of like a really good fucking new Resident Evil game. Yeah. And I don't want to be bummed out by shitty TV news. All right. right. God damn, it's the longest news segment of all time. Geek of the Week time. Geek of the Week. Geek uh, of the Week. I love that we get continuity even when the other two aren't here. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Someone All right, so Paul, it. Paul, what was your geek of the week? Um, my geek of the week, I think, was my re the reemergence of my love for two D Mario because I really am because I skipped the Wii U completely. Unfortunately, like I know there are games yeah, no, on I get the it. Wii. Yeah, because living in Korea, you couldn't get one. It was fucking hard. If there's anything that you want to play on Wii U, make sure I have it. And I, I still have my Wii U. I just won't sell it. And you can have it for when you get back if there's anything you want to play. Super Mario 3D World. I already have that. Yeah. Well, then keep it. Keep that for me. Everything else, whatever. But the deluxe version of New Super Mario Brothers Wii U uh, has been a joy to play through. I've been playing it uh, in multiplayer mode, which has been less fun for me. It's fun. It's fun in like getting my friends together and playing it. But I would, if I'm going to be playing multiplayer switch, I'd rather be playing Mario Kart or smash brothers. Yeah. I was smash actually. I haven't really tried it. Smash is, it's really frustrating because you have to unlock all 70 odd characters. Like you get Uh. a baseline eight characters and then you have to go through the, the solo campaign, which I am poking at. I like poking at the solo campaign and like slowly un- unlocking characters. But there are a few characters who I absolutely adore that I still haven't unlocked yet, which is really pissing me off. Like I, the last one I unlocked was Peach, who I, I like playing as. But I'm still waiting to unlock uh, Meta Knight from the Kirby franchise. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, come on. I really just want to play as the characters I want to play as. And it's taking for fucking ever. So I like the the gameplay. Um, I hate the fact that they locked all of the characters because I want to just bring my friends and let them play with any character they want. I don't want yeah. it to be dependent on me having unlocked them in the solo mode. It just oh Nintendo, oh Nintendo. That's such a Nintendo yeah. thing to do. Very much. Yeah, that sucks. That's cool though. So yeah, like yeah, two D Mario is still some of the best video gaming you will do. Yeah, probably. Eh, it's yeah. Nintendo, you know, like they, they, they do make good games. They might do a bunch of frustrating shit on top of them, but like they do make good True. games. Yes. Um, For me, uh, I was going to talk about Resident Evil, but like, fuck that. We talked about Resident Evil a lot. I saw Bumblebee this week 
it's mm-hmm. good. Like mm-hmm. really good. Like I felt not joy, but like I felt warm happiness at the very least. I may pee myself, but I don't know. <sighs> but like the opening ten minutes of Bumblebee is the greatest Transformers movie that has ever been made. Like mm-hmm. it is War for Cybertron on Cybertron with highly detailed G1 models doing transformery carnage. And I'm just like, this is amazeballs. Yeah. And then the movie itself, actually totally watchable. It is exactly what the first Transformers movie should have been all along. It took them 10 fucking years to make a good Transformers movies, guys. Ten. Yeah. Go, don't sleep on Bumblebee is what I'm going to tell you. Go see fucking Bumblebee. I went out and saw it. Fucking amazing. It's actually leaked now. You can I'm gonna watch it again this weekend because I had a fucking yeah. blast with it. Yeah. Was not expecting it, that. So good. And it is sad that it is not being as financially recognized as mm-hmm. the Michael Bay Transformers, but it is it has it been got a sequel. for a sequel. Yeah. So I am, yes, on board 100 percent Thank goodness. I it yeah, it sucks that the the Michael Bay franchise burned us out on this movie but because when i watched it i was all like this is just fun Mm -hmm. it's cool to watch yeah that opening scene was like being out in the cold and stepping into a a nice heated like heated warm house yeah and like every i felt so at home and warm watching it it was just kind of like ah yes my nostalgia boner was just like through the goddamn roof like as like especially like it was the weird random ones that showed up like they showed huffer and like shockwave and i was like oh my god shockwaves in a fucking movie and it's not like a bullshit 30 second cameo like it was in the third one where he was kind of in it but like it was barely shockwave he didn't talk and he had like a red button instead of a yellow button it was just all wrong it was all wrong is what i'm trying to get at but like oh man like shockwave was purple Soundwave ejected ravage i went nuts when he did that like i lost my mind in the theater when he did that so i was like oh my god on a big screen a real looking sound wave ejected ravage and ravage attack i was like this is simple things make me happy but that was just like the coolest thing for me to see i was like oh my god this is amazing they made a trans they made a transformers movie i don't hate yeah i actually enjoyed it this is the best transformers movie since the 1986 movie is what i'm trying to get at don't sleep on it go see it especially because like if they do get to make a sequel they get to do more transformersy stuff i'm gonna be so in I still want my like War for Cybertron like Netflix CG series, but I'll take a good Bumblebee movie every couple years if they're going to do it this way. Especially if they go forward and start like introducing some like really wacky characters, like bring in Hot Rod, like real Hot Rod, like do dumb stuff like that now, like have some fun with it. Well, I mean, they could turn. I don't know if they're going to be doing like Bumblebee two or if they're going to call it Transformers or maybe it'll be like they'll focus on another Autobot. Like maybe they could do Hot Rod, like make a Hot Rod movie. Yeah. That would be fun. Hot Rod is kind of a dingus. Hot and Hot Rod and Cup is buddy cops, like Transformers buddy ah, cop movie. Ah, which yes, is basically I like live, the best part I of live. Transformers, the original movie, is the buddy cop dynamic between Hot Rod and Cup. Make a big movie. Let's kill Decepticons, guys. That's what we're here for. We want to watch Autobots kill goddamn Decepticons. I did like yeah. the best line in that movie. I will give John Cena credit because when we're in the meeting and he's like. They call themselves Decepticons. Is that not raise any flags? I was like, thank fucking God. John Cena, you genius. I don't know where you were when you said that because, you know, you can't see him. But he said the line, so I was happy. Yeah, that was great. 
so yeah. good. So I was like, that's pretty cool. Uh, so like, yeah, man, Bumblebee, like, awesome, awesome movie. Like, I don't have, like, I don't want to, we don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but fuck, I was so happy. Like, just happy after I saw it. All right. It's meat of the episode time. I guess Paul's going to do a sting because he likes doing stings. Meat of the episode. So this is, this is something Paul and I uh, have pigeoned ourselves out of on our own show. So we decided that, like, we would do it on this show while we needed to fill a week. As you know, we do side A, side B, where we review albums, full albums. doesn't really always give us the chance to kind of like touch on some of the more like B-sides or particulars. And in this week, we're going to talk about our favorite covers, um, which is something we will never get a chance to talk about on side A, side B, unless we do a weird bonus episode. But that's why we have this podcast, goddammit. We can do dumb stuff like this mm-hmm. over here. So I thought we'd do one here uh, since we needed to talk about something. And uh, I've been thinking about it because of the Chris Cornell tribute show that happened this week in Los Angeles. So... I don't know if anybody else knew, but it is on YouTube now, which is, and it's really fucking good. It's five hours long, though. So, like, get in there. But five hours is quite the slog. I sat through it, but, you know, I'm a dork. So I was in. But, uh, yeah, so I started thinking about, like, because it's just a, a litany of massive artists, including, like, Fiona Apple, Josh Homme, all of Soundgarden, all of Audio like the remaining, obviously, Audio Slaves, Soundgarden, Temple of the Dog guys. Uh, Metallica was there. Miley Cyrus fucking crushed it while she was there, like that kind of stuff. And they just came out and did incredible, awesome fucking Soundgarden and Chris Cornell covers all night. And I was like, let's talk about cover our other favorite covers. So that's what we're doing this week is we're going to do our probably 10-ish favorite covers each. And then Tim's really upset he's missing this because he wanted to do covers too. But this is a repeatable. We're definitely going to do this episode again because I had like 45 and uh holy shit yeah this is <laughs> narrowing it down was, was so hard yeah, i that's the one problem with doing these like listy episodes it's like oh fuck i gotta pare this down now this sucks especially the music ones are so all right let's get started and paul we'll start with you so let's do your first one okay my first one is valerie originally by the zootons covered by amy winehouse this song was most people didn't even realize that this was a cover when it first came out. And this is a running theme with a lot of mine is that it's Amy Winehouse being the uh, uh, tragic artist that she was. This is like one of her most upbeat, fun songs that she was known for. And it is uh, the original one is by a British rock band called the Zootons. And it was, it was had kind of mild success. But when Amy Winehouse covered it, she just made it such a event. It was such a such a fun, upbeat song, and I absolutely love listening. To yeah, it's a good cover, actually. Uh, I went back, like I went. And you sent we, Paul and I sent each other. We're bad for this, so like we send each other our list so that we kind of go and work ahead, I guess, because that's kind of how we do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went and listened to everything. I liked this one a lot, actually. It was kind of it was fun. I like, like Amy Winehouse got such a good voice, man. Like she has such a good goddamn voice. Yeah. It's so, it was so tragic that she like decided to just not stick around kind of thing, I guess. It was, I don't know. Uh, well, addiction is a fucking big hey, problem. Hey, man, man. Trust me. Nobody knows that better than I do, given like the stuff I listen to. So, right. Uh, yeah, it, that, that was a good, that's a good pick. I like that one. Actually, I like the original a lot when I went back and found it. Yeah, it was really yeah. good. Yeah. It's like it's sometimes the cover artist will take a, an original, uh, the original song at like either not do much with it, turn it, uh, it a crap song into a masterpiece because they see something special in yeah. it or it, the song or itself already had good bones and they just like, yeah, pop, popped it up. And that's what Valerie is. It's, it's a song with like good melody and and 
like a great beat and uh amy winehouse just kicked it up to 11 nice. using using that voice of hers nice because goddamn yeah it's so good yeah that was good i like that it was a good cover all right my first one uh i'm gonna i'm getting an obvious one out of the way i could have gone on forever about pearl jam's covers because they do have mm-hmm. a long long list of them and we probably will talk about them going forward because there's they do an awesome version of comfortably numb rock when the free world is basically their closer now like they they do huge covers all the time but the one I want to talk about this week is actually, it's a song called Missing. So like I saw them twice this summer in, in Seattle. And while we were there, they did this song that I basically blanked on. Like It was familiar, but I didn't know exactly what it was. And I spent the entire weekend expecting them to do some kind of big Cornell tribute, like because it's Pearl Jam in Seattle, right? And like that, it just happened. Well, they did. And I just like, none of us caught it until like halfway through the song because they did this song called Missing, which Chris had recorded. So it's a weird story. So when the singles came out, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden were both on the soundtrack, but there was a fake band in the movie that members of Pearl Jam were in kind of thing, like as cameos. But all the music for that band was written and like kind of created fakely for Cameron Crowe by Chris Cornell, or no, by Jeff Ament, I should say, the bass player from Pearl Jam. And he wrote a song list. Well, Chris Cornell took that song list and wrote all those songs. So if you listen to the single soundtrack, Seasons is on there. That's one of the songs that was like a list from the list that the men wrote. Uh, similarly, Spoonman got its start there. And if you watch singles, there is a demo version of Spoonman that gets played during a montage because he just wrote it while they were recording this soundtrack. The last one was missing. And the only version of it you can find was on an audio cassette that got bootlegged like ages and ages ago. So I had heard it, but I couldn't pick it up. So I was sitting there Googling while they're playing the song in the mosh pit in Seattle. Cause I'm like, I know this song. What is this song? <laughs> and it was like the best stealth Chris Cornell tribute they could possibly do is taking this ancient song. They kind of wrote together all of them and then like renewed and performed it with Eddie on vocals. And like the lyrics are obviously it's all about somebody going missing on them. And there we are. Right. Oh. So huh. yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Oof, in the fields. Yeah. Oof. Basically. So like, For me, I was just like super appreciative of the fact that the band would take the time to do something like that and be super quiet about it. And also, it's like the perfect thing because Matt Cameron, I think, drummed on the original song because he was Chris's drummer for most of his career. And he basically got to play it again with Eddie on, you know, at the front. So that's that's the one I would look at. You can go find it on YouTube. It's fucking spectacular. It sounds really good. All right. My next one is... uh... Across the Universe by Fiona Apple, originally by The Beatles, of course. Oh, really? I've never heard of... Um, uh, what was that band again? I've never heard of The Beatles. The Beatles? The Beatles. The Beatles. Anyway, so this was a song, a cover that Fiona Apple did for the uh, Pleasantville soundtrack. And it is... The video for this uh, cover is like a fucking masterpiece. I didn't watch the video. I listened to the song a couple times. I always liked Across the Universe, and like I liked Fiona Apple, so yeah. I didn't know she'd done this cover. So I sat down and like listened to it a couple times. This is the one out of your list that I kind of got stuck on for a little while yesterday when I was listening to it. I'm like, well, of course. Yeah, Fiona Apple, right? Yeah. It's because it's fucking good. Anyway, so what's really interesting about the music video is that in the in the movie Pleasantville, there's a scene where they come back to Jeff Daniels' diner. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, at, at a diner, and it's been trashed by the people who uh, haven't changed color yet. The music video is Fiona Apple floating in front of the camera while the people in black and white are trashing the diner. So it's like oh, almost I've like a deleted. Yeah, scene. yeah. 
yeah and she she's just deadpan staring into the camera floating while all of this carnage is happening giving this really like somber beautiful performance of across the universe go watch the video it is so good and her uh cover of this i i I like it better than the original to be honest okay i think that i i just love fiona's delivery Mm -hmm. there's something so warm and spacious about the the way the song unfurls Mm -hmm. and honestly when i remember to listen to it like sometimes i'll be like oh i'm gonna listen to across the universe it's at least six times in a row that i will listen to across yeah it's it's sat on (laughs) it's sat on my spotify like repeating for like half an hour last night while i was uh writing notes and stuff so yeah i like that was a good it's a good cover and it's a good i mean the song's it's a fucking feel song it's an amazing song so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely Mine's actually kind of similar to your, your, my next one's kind of similar to that one in that I like it better than I like the originals. It's a complicated matter though, because this is a band that I fucking hate, except all their songs are amazing when they're performed by other people. (laughs) 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 So my next, my first pick is the Tea Party uh, doing their cover of Painted Black by the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones are a complicated band to me, man. Like, I think they are trailblazers and they are amazing songwriters. I just think they're fucking horrible performers. Like, I think they're terrible performers uh, most of the time. So, like, if yeah. you get a good, and I know we're going to get another one because I have Paul's list, a good cover of a Rolling Stone song, this is what you're talking about. The bones are there. Like, they know how to write a fucking good song. Just don't necessarily know how to get it recorded properly. So, like, yeah, when, you, a- when you're able to do something like, I don't know, have one of the best three-piece rock bands on the planet record a version of Paint It Black, that's probably going to be the best version to paint it black. It is the best version to paint it black because it's the tea party fucking yeah. killing paint it black for three minutes. So, yeah, there is something to be said about how, like, when you hear a Rolling Stones song, especially from back in the day, like it sounds so like thin. Yeah. Like the the production was never seemed particularly. And it, a lot of technology, that yeah. the fact that Mitch, Technology and Mick Jagger's voice is nothing to write home about. No, no, it no, no, is no, no. A very, it is very unique, but it is not powerful. Yeah, and having uh, well, the whole band's kind of like that. Like Keith Richards' style is very like choppy and sporadic, and like Charlie Watts's drumming is like as empty as you can get. Like he's very technically proficient, but he doesn't do a lot. Like he even pulls mm-hmm. off the fucking hi hats when he hits the snare. Like you don't get simultaneous like four hits. Like it's weird. He played his, his style is interesting, but yeah, they're I don't know this is. Like I, they they played this fucking cover for years live before it ever got recorded, and I loved it then. Mm-hmm. And like I love Rolling Stones songs as long as they're being covered by somebody else. And that's just like that <laughs> state of affairs because I respect the shit out of the Rolling Stones. They've been doing it forever. Yeah, he still gets up there and fucking does this stuff. I'm like, that's craziness. Like he's mom, grandpa, grandma's yeah. age, and he's still performing. But like, yeah. <sighs> good songwriters that are always performed better by somebody else. Like I've never heard a Rolling Stones cover that I was like, Oh yeah, I don't like that. Like even the shit guns and roses sympathy for the devil cover. I still like better than the original. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the only Rolling Stones song that I like the original and I don't, I've heard covers of them, but I always go back to the originals Ruby Tuesday. Yeah. Ruby Tuesday. Yeah. That's, that's probably one. There's a couple that I would probably say that like, I like some of their later stuff, like kind of into the nineties when they got kind of artsy. Like Bridges to Babylon stuff. I'm like, that's or like Voodoo, oh, yeah, Lounge, yeah. Voodoo Lounge stuff. I'm like, that stuff's Voodoo. fine because it's recorded properly. And obviously the producer kind of milked a good performance out of them somehow, or he got somebody to come in and try to put a good fucking performance over top of the stones. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. They got <laughs> yeah. decent stuff out of them in that era. But like the old stuff, yeah, like it sounds like kind of shitty. 
and like always sounds yeah. better when it's covered by a proficient rock band. So true. All right. Next one that I have chosen is the Boho Dance by Bjork, originally by Joni Mitchell. So this is a cool one because uh, th this came off of a uh, Joni Mitchell tribute album, and a lot of artists did. Like I could pick songs off of that album yeah. to make to make lists ad nauseum because Sufjan Stevens also did a cover uh, on this album that I really adore. But this one is obviously my favorite because first of all, it's Bjork. It's Vesper Teen era Bjork. So it, she's taken a piano driven Joni Mitchell song instead of a guitar driven one, kind of like a quiet ballad about like faux bohemian life and turned it into like the her woozy pretty digital music box style that she had during the vespertine era and it's gorgeous yeah. like and this is one one of york's most restrained vocal performances that i've heard and it's stunning yeah i actually like that one a lot i'm becoming like a closet bjork fan i think because of you mm -hmm. which i never would have admitted to like five years ago but i like that cover a lot so and uh yeah. More Joni Mitchell covers. That's uh, not a bad place to start. You know? More of those. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I highly recommend that covers album. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It. I was just, I was listening to it this morning. It's really good because I just kind of let it play after I hear, heard the Bjork song. And I was like, oh, this is pretty fucking yeah. solid. I mean, she's a fantastic yeah. songwriter. So obviously this stuff's going to hold up as long as the people who are performing it don't suck. So, and like she got like guys like Sufjan and like Bjork to do it. So, I mean, it's going to hold together yeah. pretty well. Absolutely. Yeah. So definitely boho dance nice my next yeah. one uh this is a band that does a lot of covers and most of them are pretty mediocre this is one that stands out to me because it's a real old one guns and roses is doing a whole lot of rosie by acdc so the only time you really get this you have to go and pick up the appetite for destruction like super deluxe box set it's a live bootleg i guess part of the ritz performance from 1988 it was like super pop super famous because it was just like an insane show but like there's nothing literally nothing like 1988 Axl Rose doing fucking ACDC songs. Like he just screeches like a motherfucker on top of this. It is amazing. And like whole lot of Rosie is just like a fun song. So mm -hmm. it's basically just like the best Southern guitar rock band going at the time doing a cover of an awesome ACDC song. So what more do you want? I don't really know what more do you want. It's I yeah, I, I found this on YouTube. And I listened to it. I really, I, I enjoyed it too. I'm, I'm not the biggest Guns N' Roses fan, but I do have some like standout favorites that I really love. Yeah. And this was fun. It's, a, it's, a, fun it's Appetite well. Era Guns having a good time. You know what I mean? So it's not like, yeah. it's not like when you get into the illusions and it's like live and let die and knocking on heaven's door, which are just like total nightmares or like the horrible sympathy for the devil cover, which like, I mean, I still like because it's Guns N' Roses, but it's like, it's really not good. But yeah, like I, I don't know, man. It's, I don't know. Mostly Guns N' Roses covers suck. Like it's a controversial topic because like their covers kind of suck. This one is just like awesome. So good times. Good times. All right. The next one that I have on my list um, is I Think We're Alone Now by Tiffany, originally by Tommy James and the Shondells. Yeah, this one threw me a little bit. This one got me. I was like, what is happening here? But yeah. decent cover. When I actually went, say I had to go back and contextualize this one. because I had to go back and listen to the original and then listen to the cover and be like, oh, okay, I accept this now. So the I didn't know that this was a cover until I saw Ten Cloverfield Lane and this song plays over yeah. top of a montage in that movie yeah. and I was all like oh shit and I was like I was I remember being alone in the theater in Korea and singing along to the <laughs> song because I know all the words <laughs> and I did all the Koreans just looking oh sorry you're sitting sorry I was gonna say you were sitting alone people were actually in the Ten Cloverfield Lane theater with you. 
That's that's oh, yeah. that's the surprising I mean, thing about that story for me. Yeah. Good movie, but nobody saw it. Such a good movie. Nobody saw yeah. it. Yeah. John Goodman, man. Woo! Every time, that man. This is a cover where like the bones of the song were already pretty solid. Mm-hmm. It had s- such a great and basically Tiffany just um her producers made it 80s. Mm-hmm. Like this was like during the the era of pop stars doing mall tours yeah. uh, in the late 80s and early 90s. Her and Debbie Gibson and New Kids on the Block doing all and Menudo doing all that yeah. stuff. And I like the the Tiffany version because it's got that easy 80s synth cheesiness that I enjoy and it also Yeah, you do like that a yeah. lot, eh? Like that is something that for some reason just tones right into you. Yeah. And but also I like the the fact that it changes to a a young female singer changes the context yeah. of the lyrics in a way that I really enjoy. So it really Yeah, we're going to get to that in one of my later <laughs> ones too cuz I have like that church's one is very much like that gender flip kind of makes the song a little bit more interesting. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. So. Because you would and because it makes more sense to me that a girl is getting shamed for like wanting to like be with someone but they're they're being seen as too young like because girls yeah. get the bear the burden way more sexual stigma than men do so like the tommy james and the shondells version is like like a cute song that rails against the conservative nature of like the 1950s and 60s and the tiffany one is the same but like nothing has changed for women 20 20 30 years later so i thought and it's just like as soon as i hear the opening like chintzy little beat i'm like into it i'm like dancing in my underwear in my bedroom i'm like i think i'm alone now and so i will dance fair fair <laughs> yeah all right well my next one uh is not a 80s cover of a 50s song it's a uh 2010s cover of an 80s song so uh my next one is uh and I, you're gonna detect a theme in my list a little bit this week it's pretty obvious but this one is chris cornell covering michael jackson's billy jean I don't have a ton to say about it, except for that it's beautiful and super haunting. And I mean, it's real hard to pick like the best Chris Cornell vocal performance because pick a fucking song, really, because mm-hmm. it's Chris Cornell. But like he fucking crushes this and he makes it sound like horrific. Like he recontextualizes the song to make it a lot scarier than it was. It was already pretty originally. scary. As and a... it's already pretty scary. But you strip out all that Michael Jackson fun dance beat. Yeah, and just leave it to like Chris Cornell with an acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. and it just takes on that extra level of like, oh, Jesus, this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> but amazing song, like, such a good fucking. And I love, don't get me wrong, that Michael Jackson original. We're gonna do Thriller one day. Oh yeah, I love fucking Thriller. Sorry, on the other podcast, I guess I should say to specify because we're not on side A side B right now. But yeah, we're definitely gonna be doing Thriller probably pretty soon because I've been thinking about it a lot. Mm-hmm. But I love, like, I've always loved Billie Jean's. Always been my favorite Michael Jackson song. Like that drum beat. God damn, that's a good fucking drum. I love it. So straight, but so good. Yeah. But like, I just, I'll take a Chris Cornell cover of anything. But if it's this fucking good, yeah. Go watch it. Go yeah. watch it. Definitely go watch it. It is something to see. Um, yeah. Yeah. My next one is Famous Blue Raincoat by Marissa Nadler, originally by Leonard Cohen. So, you know, I love Leonard Cohen. Don't get me wrong, but he is not the most talented singer in the world. And, nope. uh, when someone with a vocal talent like Marissa Nadler gets her hands on a song like this and just decides to make it, it's like, let's the Leonard Cohen, but make it sadder. And I was like, okay, I'm in. I love this song. I, the original yeah. version, I like this. Yeah. I love. Yeah. 
same hey man like you want to talk about Leonard Cohen covers I know we you shamed me Paul shamed me ahead of the time for not including Jeff Buckley I was just so uh, taken aback I clutched my pearls well we just I feel like we just talked about it and I was in Chris Cornell headspace when I was doing this list I was like let's talk about Chris and then we'll we'll talk about the genius of Hollywood later because we already talked about it actually not too long ago on side a side b if you want to go back into the archive of that show and hear us talk about grace in its entirety um where I just I fillet hallelujah for three minutes i think and then we move on because what do you say about it but like this is this is an awesome cover like i i'd never heard this before when you sent it to me mm-hmm. i was like oh shit man he just gets covered by really talented people and they all just make his song sound that much better right marissa nadler is a an indie folk artist and she's well known in like my pitchfork circles, circles pitchfork circles especially the the ones who are focused on female singer songwriters because like, like they cross pollinate a lot like joanna newsom yeah fans really like mitski really like marissa really like so we all like wait are you categorizing mitski as folk now no female singer songwriter okay i was gonna say she's a rock artist i don't i don't care what you say about <laughs> mitski she's a rock and roll girl yeah those, I yeah, those last three yeah, <laughs> yeah. anyway this song was already like uh it, it's written in in epistolary format so it's like a man writing a letter to another man about their relationship and it's like almost yeah. a, and about infidelity and it just it's a incredibly impactful song and marissa nadler takes what leonard cohen had and boom turned it into uh, like this heartbreaking epic it was so good nice yeah nice all right my next one is a genius songwriter covering another genius songwriter so actually there's a couple of those on my list you're gonna, you're gonna get two more of these um three more of these actually no two more sorry never mind Anyway, I'm going to stop talking and just tell you that it's Warren Zevon with R.E.M. covering Raspberry Beret because it proves even more that Prince is a fucking genius and that Warren Zevon was a national treasure and that the uh, the backup band for R.E.M. basically like one of the best backup bands of all goddamn time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you can really say about like Warren Zevon covering Raspberry Beret except for that it is amazing yeah. and you should probably have heard it already because it's Warren Zevon with R.E.M. covering Prince. Mm-hmm. A lot of Prince covers. I got some Prince covers coming up too. So we're going to get into that. Yeah. Lots of Prince covers. I like Prince covers. Yeah. I like Prince and I like covers of Prince stuff. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get Warren Zevon to do it. It's yeah. This this version is amazing. And Raspberry Beret being one of my favorite Prince songs. I really appreciated you picking it because it's my um, go-to torture my friends at karaoke song uh, because i oh, can yeah. i cannot yeah. i do not sing well i am not a singer at by any stretch of the imagination but i will lay into this song to the detriment yeah. of all around me including the cats in the alleyway like it's i wish to god somebody would make a karaoke version of this version of it because i can hit the warren zevon stuff you know what i mean mm. like i warren zevon's vocal range is inside my vocal range prince's is very much not new no. like very much not Somebody would have to, like, steel press my balls to get my my voice to go that fucking high. I think like it's not, it's just not technically feasible given the pipes that I've been gifted. So yeah, but I love this fucking cover. It's like my go to, like Prince cover. Yeah. And there's another one coming up. Like this is my favorite one. I, I like I love and I'm a big Warren Zevon fan. We're gonna get into Warren Zevon on the other podcast very shortly. Also because he's a fucking genius. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you should go check out Warren Zevon covering Raspberry Beret. Yeah, do it. Oh, next is. Killing Me Softly by the Fugees, originally by Laura Laurie Lieberman, but uh, made famous by Roberta Flack. This is around the time yeah. that like Motown artists and other artists were like sharing music and re- like re-releasing the same songs again to see which one would stick on the chart, kind of thing. Yeah, fascinating time. 
should really like have you ever read a book about that era yeah there's a dad gave me a really good book about that era and like the 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 weird way they did that like that cycling of songs through artists and stuff like that is just fucking fascinating to me yeah and like uh, there is a, there was a giant motown collection of every single single that was yeah released. i and, got it i got yeah. it online remember yeah. we got it yeah it's, yeah we have copies of it it's enormous and you get the same songs repeated again and again by and you'd be surprised mm -hmm. like who covers what it's really cool and some of them are like spectacularly good and they just didn't stick on the charts that week and yeah. just like went away but like they're amazing like, so you got marvin gay covers of stuff that it's just like what the fuck how did this not get released anywhere else it's right. just some weird b-side yeah like it's craziness yeah yeah that whole that the whole motown industry is like a fascinating like dive into if you want to go and like read about the record industry and it's like kind of nascent. So. yeah so this particular cover was the fuji's like just barreling into the mainstream because this song mm -hmm. and it's huge huge off of the back of lauren hill's incredible vocal performance on this like yeah we, we talked about lauren the miseducation of lauren hill and how her uh master class vocals already so if you're interested in mm -hmm. that check out our the other episode on side a side b but this song like she just lets loose like everything is so rich and so beautiful she restrains when she needs to she goes big when she needs to it's every like it's just so right that like listening to the original you're like oh her black is a very talented woman but fuck <laughs> like yeah there's there's a technology difference too. Uh, mm -hmm. You can hear how like cleanly mic'd Lauren Hill is versus like I mean Roberta Flack was probably singing in a room and kind of like hoping it got recorded in comparison to like yeah. they probably had three mics on Lauren Hill running through like six different boards or something like that. Like they record vocals like very 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 yeah meticulously when they do that kind of stuff. But you can hear everything on that track like every breath, every pause, every clench of a tongue, like everything. Mm -hmm. Great cover though, like so good. That song was everywhere. Like. Even a metalhead like me could not avoid that song that summer. It was everywhere, yeah. all year. And Great for good time. reason. For good oh, yeah, reason. absolutely. Yeah. Next. All right, my next one is, I was, I know I'm going to take flack for this one because I'm not picking the obvious one, but I wanted to stay with the Chris Cornell stuff. And I really like Johnny Cash's cover of Rusty Cage that mm -hmm. he did way back in the day. I think it's on American 2. So mm -hmm. it predates the Hurt cover by a couple years. Mm-hmm. It's like just like master fucking songwriters being covered by master fucking songwriters, like yeah. like Rusty Cage covered by Johnny Cash. Yeah, Ooh, boy, I find it like the Johnny Cash covers are so interesting to me because generally speaking, when we do covers, it's like there it's lineage. Like we get younger artists covering older artists. Yeah, and then to have Johnny Cash come around with his level of prestige, especially at this at point the end of his, of his life, career, at the end of his career when his biopic had just got blown up, blown up. It was a, such a cool moment to see him go and be like, hey, this younger artist, I really like their stuff and I'm going to make it Johnny Cash. And did he ever make these songs Johnny Cash? Like they. Oh, man. Like there's there's covers of like you two, like one did he does one that's amazing, like yep. haunting, amazing. This Rusty Cage is so intimidating. Like the original is a fucking steam shovel to the face, basically. But like this one, it's almost as impactful just based on like how intense johnny sounds while yeah. he's singing it you know what i mean it's just such a good he did great like all those albums are fucking spectacularly like well performed and like arranged and produced and all that kind of stuff but i love those covers man like mm -hmm. rusty cage one like hurt obviously is amazing yeah. and we'll probably talk about it when we do like a continuation of this somewhere down the line yeah because that is a spectacularly good cover that has basically washed away the original completely yeah um, basically which like 
this one didn't obviously like completely wash away like the prestige of the original Soundgarden Rusty Cage because I mean how could it? But yeah, I mean I guess it could because it kind of destroyed the Nine Inch Nails one. But well, I think that what is the difference is that like Johnny Cash's version of Rusty Cage is like a pretty big departure from the original and so like yeah. they both exist in kind of different worlds whereas his version of hurt has the same emotional beats that trends does but it just hits harder <laughs> because it's johnny yeah. cash at the end of his life it's <laughs> like at the end like that's the last i think that's the last one that came out before he passed too yeah. like i think four because five came out after was posthumous i believe uh, yeah I believe four came out right before he passed yeah and uh we're gonna be talking about his Nine covers a lot uh Nine Inch Nails on Side A Side B coming very soon. We're going to be talking about his cover with Fiona Apple of Bridge Over Troubled Waters. Two two artists who I love their covers so much, combining their powers yeah. later. Anyway. You know what right. I did? I did. I, I had my long list that I didn't include in here was uh, Islands in the Stream, like the Feist Constantines. Oh, I forgot about that cover. one. Uh, I had it in my head. It's on my list. It was just like, uh, I can't. It didn't fit in here this mm-hmm. week, but like. Yeah, it was definitely one that was like in my head. I've been in a big Constantine's kick the last couple of weeks, though. Like yeah, that live yeah. version of Lizaveta has just been like living in my brain. So, yeah. Anyway, let's do your next one. My next one is actually the only male art cover artist that I've chosen for my list this week because I was gonna I was gonna give you shit at this point, but I'm like I don't think I've picked a woman yet, and I know I have a couple on my list, yeah. but they're like later in my list. So. Yeah. So this is uh, Such Great Heights by Iron and Wine, uh, originally by the Postal Service. This is like peak twee uh, when it comes to covers. This was for the, oh, uh, oh, what the hell's the name of that movie? Uh, oh, goddamn. It's from a soundtrack. It's got Natalie Portman and Zach Oh, Braff. Garden State. Garden State. Thank you. I don't know. I, I remember this cover more than I remember that movie. That's, that's that movie fucking at. angers me. I hate that movie so goddamn much. Like it was like it was everything that that scene that I hated about that scene, like yeah. brought into a movie, into movie yeah. form. And I was like, oh, God, I hate all of this shit. Yeah. It was, what, can can we just go back to Pearl Jam? Like it's so much easier for me. If we just go back to Pearl Jam. It, uh, that being said, though, you know. Natalie Portman's performance, of course, was great because Natalie Portman always puts forth a great performance. And this song... When? You've seen the Thor movies. When she's interested. When she's interested. Same with the the Star Wars prequel. Star Wars, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't really blame her for either of those. Anyway... I'm just, I'd, I'd be pissed if I were her that she didn't get into Ragnarok. Because at least then she'd have been in a good movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So anyway, um, this is a... Taking the lippy bloop postal service hit and turning it into a just a chill folk song and it really works with iron and wine's creative output style just like, yeah like it, it fits the, nicely inside his uh his oeuvre i guess you would say yeah definitely and it, i think it became iconic for a reason it, it's a song that really can lull you into a nice state while the the original one was already good um and this but this is like a huge departure style wise so they both exist kind of side by side yeah and i i just like it i just think it's pretty it's just really pretty mm-hmm. all right uh my next one i've never actually spoken about this woman on the podcast properly or either podcast and i'm i feel really bad about it holly mcnarland does an amazing cover of phil collins in the air tonight you can only find it on a dvd i think you can find it online now it is my favorite version of that song not that i really like the original because fuck phil collins but like a good <laughs> song that Holly just crushes. 
crushes crushes that woman has got my favorite voice almost ever she soars above stuff um uh immensely talented woman that does not get the credit that she deserves like just a nice nice lady who writes hard rock songs that i enjoy quite a bit so yeah it it is surprising that you haven't spoken about her much and i and when you when i listened to this i got into uh i went down a holly mcnarland rabbit hole going through her old singles and stuff not a bad rabbit hole to go down oh man holly's awesome yeah, I forgot how much I I used to listen to Elmo on repeat. <laughs> God, that song is that that numb album like is basically front yeah. to back. I didn't realize it till like recently. I was listening to her stuff again. I just put the first two kind of in a playlist. That mm-hmm. first one is fucking solid record. I was surprised because like I went back and listened to some like old like Chantal Kravitz stuff. And I was like, oh shit, this is not holding up the way I remember it holding up. Yeah, so I wanted to like do one of those albums, but I think uh, we'll probably do Elmo on side A side B sooner. Uh, rather than later because i like that record that worked for me still so yeah yeah so uh i i am not also not the biggest bill collins fan either but in the year tonight i think is a pretty stunning song and yeah. this is a stunning cover of a stunning song like yeah. her voice is so good on this i used album. to love she used to do it like this like obviously it's a live cover like it's on a live dvd so i saw her do it live a couple times oh man her voice when she like really crushes those highs later in the song mm-hmm. she's got just fucking magic pipes that woman just magic pipes yeah yeah in the air tonight by holly mcfarland go check it out what's your next one paul my next one is torn by natalie and brulia originally by edna swap which i didn't even know this was a cover until like way (laughs) after it came out like i knew it was a cover now but like i was not aware when it came out that it was a cover i just thought she's like the perfect woman in that video like she like visually is the most stunning attractive woman i've ever seen in that music video right um anyway so the song yeah, is so good it's so good it is like i think it's one of the most perfect pop songs that came out of the late 90s like yeah i agreed i can't stop listening to it i've i've heard people covering it in karaoke all over the place for the rest of and i probably will for the rest of my life and there's a good mm-hmm. reason for that natalie and brulia's version of it is in particular incredible the original is like okay but this is another one where they like took a song and ran with it like they fucking ran with this song and natalie and brulia's performance is so right the video is iconic and like the peak i just i it's in it's those images will be stuck in my mind forever yeah and uh yeah it it is fair to say that natalie and brulia is one of the most gorgeous people i've ever seen um (laughs) oh my god it's just, I think it's just that video because she's so like 2000s in that video. She got like the baggy cargo short or cargo pants on and like the hoodie yeah. and like the little kind of pixie cut. I'm like, oh my God, she's perfect. She's perfect. She's perfect. Yeah. Anyway, and she ended but, up dating like Lenny Kravis for like five years. Of course, she's going to date the most beautiful man of all time. Crazy. Yeah. So, all that being said, the cover is just one of the, another one of those covers that is so right. And when people, you put it on in a bar people are going to be singing along to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. As, especially the women in the bar, they will be losing their shit. Nothing's right. I'm torn. Yeah. Like it's, it's a great, great song. Yep. Awesome. I'm going to pull a little audible and switch my order a little bit. Cause I want to end with okay. something else. But, uh, so my next one is a David Bowie song covered by, uh, one of my favorite singers. It's a perfect circle covering ashes to ashes. So I love, love love transposing all of bowie's weird little studio instrument choices to a big fucking noisy hard rock band 
Billy Howardell, the guitarist from Perfect Circle, who's kind of like the the genius guitarist behind a Perfect Circle, used to be a drum like guitar tech for Adam Jones and Tool and stuff like that. Like just solid guitar player, plays the the main melody on fucking guitar the entire time, and it sounds insane. Like it sounds so good. And then on top of the fact that you actually have Maynard James Keenan just belting out his best Bowie, just belting out his best yeah. Bowie. So they take this like amazing kind of alienated Bowie 60s song and turn it into a super propulsive. Wasn't it this 70s? 80s? Is it 80s? I think it's just, 80s. Anyway, so 80s Bowie song. Now I want to know because I thought it was 60s. I thought, oh, no. Sure. You know what? I'm an idiot. It's off Ashes. of Scary Monsters. Yeah, Ashes to Ashes is... Uh, 1980. 1980, yeah. So it's like basically taking a really awesome 1980s era David Bowie song and turning it into a giant 2000s fucking alternative rock opus. And it's... Mm-hmm. Man, it was good. Like, I just like... Yeah. It's one of my favorite Bowie covers. And I don't usually like Bowie getting covered because like, I always find he's, his originals are so kind of bizarre that covering him kind of doesn't always work i mean there's the odd instance where like man who stole the world like that kind of stuff works out yeah um but like i never really heard like ashes to ashes cover and been like oh that's amazing when perfect circle does it i'm like that's fucking amazing as soon as that opening riff starts because i obviously that song was part of growing up and then hearing that in like peak time when i was really into a perfect circle and yeah. that opening riff just burned my fucking face off i was all like oh it's because i remember like the the version that we had when it first came out it was like this crappy bootleg version yeah. of it and i still listen to it on repeat because it was so it was so good they did another cover it was kind of a cover it's kind of a mashup uh the uh, the diary of a madman the, mm-hmm. the the cure uh ozzy osbourne mashup they do I still don't have a good copy yeah. of that. Still my favorite thing they do. Like, it's still my favorite yeah. Perfect Circle thing, aside from, like, Ashes to Ashes and a couple of their, like, big songs. I still think that mm-hmm. Diary of a Madman is, like, my favorite thing that they actually do. And I wish I had a good copy of it, because I only had that garbage cover, or a uh, garbage, like, bootleg copy that we had in the 2000s. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, you can actually get this. It's on... There's a Metadonal Live album. I'm not sure if it's actually available on retail, but you can get it on Spotify. And it is the last track on there, and it's a it's re-recorded from the version that like we had. So I don't think it's Josh yeah. Freeze playing drums, but it still sounds pretty good. So go for it. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Yeah. All right, Paul. Next one. My next one is "Wild Horses" by the Sundays, originally by the Rolling Stones. Another Rolling Stones song. Yeah, man. Where they took the original, ran with it. Now, I have emotions about this song. Because this is the Buffy the version. Scene. Is this the Buffy yes, version, the right? Bu- yeah, this the is Buffy the Buffy version. version. I knew it was the Buffy <laughs> version. Yeah. As soon as yeah. you posted, I'm like, I think that's the Buffy version. And then I played it. I'm like, yep, that's the Buffy version because all the feels are coming back. All those. Feels. Yeah. It's it's like why does it feel like I'm at my the prom that I dreamed that I was supposed to have? <laughs> no, I, um, no, you're not. You're not is... wrong because like even with the Terror Dogs, <laughs> Buffy had more fun at her prom than I had at mine. And it was the same year, <laughs> so like, yeah, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, she, Buffy got her moment. Yeah, this song it was in actually two places in the late '90s. It was on the Buffy soundtrack for um, season three's prom episode, and the soundtrack for the movie Fear by with Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon, where he finger banged her on the roller coaster. <laughs> Alyssa Milano gets raped in that movie for some reason. Oh time. fuck, that movie is. Oh, for some reason, yeah. Just, just yeah, trash, just trash. Yeah, 
garbage, garbage movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we watched that movie a lot. I don't know why. I don't remember either. Yeah, is, that, is that a Lee's thing? That must have been a Lee's thing. I think it was a Lee's thing. And also, it was on fucking Superstation like, a million times because that's... And, like, to be fair, I kind of like looking at Alyssa Milano in that movie because, yeah. yeah, she looks real good. The complicated feelings of being a teenager and not knowing yeah. about stuff. Consent and shit. Yeah, it was. it's a weird... It was a weird time. Yeah. Anyway, this but cover. Good uh, cover. Good cover. Good cover. That is so pretty. And like the, again, the bones of the song are, are solid, but I don't want to hear Mick Jagger sing this ever again. I could just listen to the Sunday's version and then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. There's a live cover of Guns N' Roses doing this. And I'm like, yeah, it's, I, I'll take a, like a live, like half the song cover of like Axel singing it versus like whatever the fuck the original is. Yeah. This is my favorite version of it though. I, I and I granted it, it is. Very much because of my fucking nostalgia. Yeah, but, but it, it's atmospheric. Like it. The vocal performance is solid. Everything like it, you, the the emotion that you lack uh, when you hear Mick Jagger sing, like the, it, they fill it. They get it right. Yeah, yeah, they, absolutely. Just, I get it. So yeah. listen to this cover because it's so much better than the original. Sorry, Rolling Agreed. Stones fans. Sorry. I don't think there's anybody who's a Rolling Stones fan who's listening to this except for like dad and mom probably maybe so mm, fair i don't even know if they're that big of fans really anyway yeah. let's move on my next one is the church's song so i get two girls on my list boom Ooh. not a bad person not a bad person. <laughs> anyway, i really wanted to say i would die for you because they do a cover of that that's really fucking fun but it is a very straight cover of it so i kind of went sideways i'm like they do an actually an amazing cover of an arctic monkey song called do i want to know um, you can find on YouTube now. It was kind of hard to find for a while, but it's kind of out there. I think it's on Spotify even. There's just something about Lauren Mayberry chewing on Alex Murphy's like, is it Murphy? Yeah. Yeah, it's Alex, yeah, Alex Murphy. Murphy. Yeah. So there's something about Lauren Mayberry chewing on Alex Murphy's little phrase turns that I just find really lovely in that song. Mm-hmm. And then like the gender flip of like the whole thing just kind of works for me. She sounds so much more forlorn than he does in the original. The original is kind of like dirgy and like. And sinister. And kind of yeah. sinister. It works for the Arctic Monkeys. Like, I love the Arctic Monkey style. Like, I'm not going to fucking ever denounce anything Alex, like, does. Because he's fucking awesome. But I just, like, I think this is probably my favorite version of this song. And I, just, I mean, granted, I love Lauren Mayberry and I like what Churches does. So, um, Alex Turner. Alex Murphy is an Irish Alex actor. Turner. Alex Turner is the Alex Turner. Singer. Alex Turner. God damn it. See, I thought I had it, but no. Suck. Suck tonight. Uh, Alex Turner. Yeah, right. Alex Turner of the Arctic Monkeys. That's that. Anyway. Like. See, I I don't particularly like. I really love the original Arctic Monkeys version because I love that yep. guitar riff. I love yeah. The, like, but I just, I guess I just respond better to Lauren Mayberry's emotionality in that song. Like yeah. the having it be more despondent instead of like aggressive matches the tone of the lyrics better. Weirdly enough, for me and Lauren's voice is just so she's clear so as a bell. Yeah, that I just I love every minute. Again, love both. I give a slight edge to the church's version. Yeah, I don't even like necessarily have like a favorite. I probably prefer the church's version. I probably I think I said that. Like I do kind of prefer the church's yeah. version. I love the fucking Arctic Monkeys version though. Like I like the Arctic Monkeys a lot. Um, mm-hmm. They're probably one of my few like actively like making music kind of bands that I'm like, oh, I'm really in- like whatever they do. I'm like, I'm gonna listen to it. Even the new one that everybody kind of like went nuts about. I was like, oh, I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. He does weird shit all the time. He did that album with fucking Josh Homme. The humbug one that everybody hated that I was like, man, that's fucking good. Like, yeah, that's fucking good. Anyway. Yeah. Not a big deal. Just a really good church's cover of a really good fucking Arctic Monkey song. 
So yeah, check it out. Definitely. It's your last one. My last one. Okay. My last one is, hey, hi, Prince. Nothing compares to you by Sinead O'Connor, originally by The Family. So weird story. The Family was like this this weird, I guess, kind of funk band that was like in the the, the Prince sphere. sphere yeah. You know, like he was the sun in the center of a solar system of a lot of shit going on in the 80s. Yeah, he and, really was. A lot of good shit, and, too, which is kind of scary. Like the, like the prolificness of the man. God, he's is insanity like and the quality yeah. stays pretty high considering but either way yeah the so the family version of this song is good it's like fine but it, it didn't go anywhere no one really cared about it and then Sinead o'connor takes this song wow was handed this song basically i think prince gave it to her basically and made that again another music video that centers on a woman's face as she delivers a super emotional performance it was an international hit sensation like it was huge huge. four weeks on the top of the billboard charts the video was won three moon men at the mtv movie uh, Mm -hmm. video awards for just being a fucking great video just because of Sinead o'connor's insane performance and when she actually just literally starts shedding tears at the end of the video it's just damn and the vocal performance itself is her voice is amazing in it everything on that song is just it makes you just makes you want to cry yeah yeah it's a good song and i love i always love that song there's a uh there's a cornell cover of it from the same uh unplugged session that uh billy jean came out of where he covers it too or maybe that's maybe it's not that but it's something like that and he crushes it too but i like the original is like or the original like the big version the shane o'connor version yeah man that's a it's a big fucking song. They can't really say yeah. much about it. It's just so goddamn good. I also want to point out that after Prince's passing, there was a live version of him singing that song that's been floating around the internet. And it's really good, too. So check it out. Cause... Prince, yeah. Prince doing Prince's own stuff is usually, like, the best <laughs> yeah. way to get it. Like, I love the Sinead yeah. O'Connor version, but I kind of, like, I lean into, like, Prince doing his own stuff. So when I when that yeah. version popped up, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I like the Sinead O'Connor version. I like the Chris Cornell version, too, but, like, Prince does Prince better than anybody else does. Well, it's true, but I this this was Sinead O'Connor taking the song and running with it was a phenomenon, and I yeah, agree, absolutely, love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. all right. Now your last one. So my last one uh, is just one that I wanted to say because I know Paul would get all super excited about it, like get all happy about it. On mm-hmm. I can't remember which album it was. I think it's Reality 2002. Uh, David Bowie Heathen. did some. Is it Heathen? Oh, right. Reality's later. Reality's next. It is the Heathen album. Sorry, it's Heathen. Yeah. Which I think is 2000, not 2002. But anyway, on the Heathen album, Bowie covers a Pixie song called Cactus, and it is absolutely so the greatest goddamn thing you'll ever hear because it's uh... David Bowie covering Frank Black. And, like, honestly, what's kind of funny, uh, it doesn't do a lot with it. It's basically the straightest cover you could possibly get. Like, he doesn't change yeah. any of the instrumentation, he just sings the same song as David Bowie. It definitely kicks up like a little hits. It hits harder than the original version, but it is it is a pretty straight cover. Yeah. Okay. I don't get me wrong. I love this cover so much. If they would just cut out the part where they chant the letters of David Bowie's name in the middle of it. Yeah, that's weird, eh? That was weird. I that was a just a weird creative choice for this particular song. Yeah. Because the rest of it's like, it, he, he sounds like he's the one who wrote it. Like, he's so angry yeah. when he's singing it. that it's like, oh, man, this is like, 
are you sure he didn't? I guarantee you people were, like Bowie fans were listening to this not knowing this is a fucking Pixies cover. Because it just sounds right. like Bowie owns it. So Yeah, and he he like the way that he performs, it sounds like he's like spitting it through gritted teeth. Like Yeah, he just, sounds like, real angry. Yeah, angry. The vitriol of it is like it's very fun to listen to, I guess. Yeah. Like the uh angry obsession. It's an angry obsession song. The Frank Black yeah. version is more Frank Black is definitely more of a weird character, whereas David yeah. Bowie uh also weird that he also weird also weird. but in <laughs> on this track um he builds it more uh angry vicious and it works really well yeah like this is one yeah. of my favorite like i love when people cover the pixies just because i love the pixies and like you can do a lot with their songs mm-hmm. and like having basically a musician of david bowie's caliber cover someone that he thinks is a master songwriter like that is that not the biggest highest compliment you can get is having david bowie cover your stuff like yeah you know what well, I mean? Him or Johnny Cash, I pick one, right? Like, yeah, basically. Shit. If I were Frank Black after that, I'd be like, well, I'm fucking retiring because like it's not going to get better. But anyway. Uh, P.S. They, probably they should have. Yeah, they probably should have. <laughs> Although, hey, man, that's how Paz is getting her paycheck right now. So well, that's fair. Oh, whatever. Oh, Paz LeChanton. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was it. Like just David Bowie Cactus. Um, Go pick yeah. up Heathen and listen to that because it is awesome. Yeah, I know the David Bowie thing in the middle is kind of weird, but like ignore it. The rest of the song aces. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Agreed. All right. We are very long in the tooth this week. So let's quickly do Geek Cred and then we'll get the fuck out of here for yeah. this week. What do you recommend uh, to our lovely listeners this week, Paul? It seems obvious, but go watch The Favorite. It's really like masterclass in acting. The cinematography is beautiful. The costumes are amazing. And it's just like, but go in there um, not expecting funny because like, the, the trailers make it look really funny and it's funny in a really dark way. So if you want, if you're looking for like a costume comedy, this is not what you want. You want, it, it, this. it's dark, it's visceral, it's excellent. Go see it. Cool. For me, I it depends on what you're looking for. If you're a video gamer, get out there and get Resident Evil 2 Remake, man. Whoo, boy, it is pretty and awesome. If that's not your bag and you'd rather just watch a movie, not gonna lie, go fucking watch Bumblebee, man, because you're gonna have a good goddamn time watching Bumblebee. Yeah, that's about it. So, cool. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, please feel free to reach out. You can do that via Twitter at DRD underscore podcast or by Facebook, where we are much more active at facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. Or you can send us an email uh, at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts. I'm Mark for dance robot dance i've been here with paul thank you again for joining me my pleasure as usual thanks for having me awesome we hope you all have a good one and uh we're gonna leave you go listen to some goddamn music guys we gave you a bunch of covers to listen to what we'll probably do is put those in the youtube like get some youtube links and throw them up in the comments or something like that i think that might be a good idea maybe just the maybe just the cover versions not the original this is a lot of fucking work to do both but like i'll try and get my covers and like put youtube links up for you guys to listen to too awesome so, yeah, we're going to talk to you guys about some cool stuff going on next week. Uh, for now, Paul and I are going to leave you with, uh, I don't know, I know, we should probably put some music on or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Have a good one, guys. Bye.